On this week's The Koi Gig Podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's owner Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig Podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. All right, you're very welcome along. It is OTBAM. We have a full house for you today. Uh, I'm here. My name is Jerry Gilroy. I'm here, here until 10 o'clock. You can get us on 0879-180-180. Uh, also here is Adrian Barry. Good morning. My name is Adrian Barry. And uh, Shane Hannon. Good morning. I'm Shane Hannon from Monaghan. Hey. Right. There you go. Uh, we've actually got a lot to get to today. Today's show is uh, busy and lined up. And we have uh, David Clark uh, joining us to talk about the goalkeeping situation across the world, but particularly uh, how good Mayo were at the weekend as well. The hurling power rankings. I mean, it's going to be pretty interesting to see where everybody is uh, with Will today. Uh, John Duggan's going to join us. We've got Derek McNamara looking back on the Heineken Champions Cup final. Do we have to do that? Do we, do we have to? <laughs> Shawnee Maguire is going to join us at 10 past nine. Uh, now part of the Coventry setup, and then we play out with some uh, Tony Cascarino goodness in conversation with Joe. Um, there's lots to talk about, right? Bakayasaka signed a new deal. It says he's getting 200 grand a week. One paper says 300 grand. There's a significant enough difference between 200 grand a week and 300 grand a week. I realise it all sounds like monopoly money to you, but 100 grand a week every week for 52 weeks is 5 million quid. I think 5 million quid is a significant enough difference. I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of money. I don't know that much about money. But that seems like a lot. My sympathy for him isn't isn't massive either way. I'm not talking, you know, I'm not asking about sympathy, but just like the the reporting on this is like it's two or three hundred grand. Like that's. A good <laughs> I always find the finances of Premier League clubs to be a head scratcher. Irrelevant. Well, in the monopoly money sense of, so let's say you are a mid level accountant at Manchester City Football Club, right? Yeah, you're on a you're on a decent salary. And it comes to pay negotiations. Yeah. Uh, listen, just lump in another 40%. Yeah. Who's going to... Who, it, it makes absolutely no difference. I mean, I'm, that club maybe particularly, but I mean, even at a club like Arsenal, when, as you say, you know, a player has the ability to go in and say, well, you know, I'll take, I'll take 300 there rather than two, mm. and the club are going to go, grand, let's crack on. Yeah, it's a, you know... That's one of the things about Ted, that Ted Lasso's really got right in, in the latter seasons when they've been in the Premier League. All the cars just became supercars in the background. Mm. You're like, of course. <laughs> all of these like up and coming, you know, underdog people, they're all like gazillionaires now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. See John Ram quoting Ted Lasso? Was he? What did he say? He said, I didn't get it because I haven't seen Ted Lasso yet. Oh. For me since. Yeah. Uh, but he said, he, he made a mistake on one of the holes last week and he was like, be like a goldfish. Some reference to a goldfish. And then he told all, explained to all the reporters it's because a goldfish have the, probably the happiest of all animals because they only have a, a memory of 10 seconds. And that was kind of the attitude he's taken into his golf. Forget about the mistakes. It's funny he's... Um, it's funny. It's, it's just mad. It has become this uh, cultural phenomenon. Anyway, we, we digress. Uh, the under-17s last night won 4-2. It was um, an amazing start where they were 1-0 up again after 4 minutes and then conceded you're like oh this could be like the Poland game but it wasn't they, beat the, they dumped the host Hungary out and now we wait to find if they've got Serbia or Slovenia or Spain potentially um, but uh, the under-17s hammered in their opening game annihilated and then mm. roaring back into it with two, two wins 
that'll be on Saturday afternoon I think the semi or the quarter final we were talking about Mason Amelia last week with, with Vinnie Perth briefly and like, a lot of excitement about him at uh, St Pat's only 15 years of age um, and Luke Kerr is also a St Pat's player like both the two lads have got two goals apiece I, I don't know Like we, we kind of had the conversation when's too young to bring them in but clearly if, if they're getting League of Ireland senior football uh, it, it's, it's paying off at under 17 level because they probably walk into the 17 set up going ah this is do you say grand. he's 15 uh, Mason Media is 15 that's yeah. too young do you think so? Ah, yeah. yeah to be, yeah, to be yeah. playing League of Ireland football. I mean, oh, sorry, not sorry. I thought you were not going to bring them into the senior. Um, no, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, League of Ireland football, I'd say. I mean, I'm not, that's not a disparaging comment to the League of Ireland, I realise now as it comes out of my mouth. To any club level, throw them in. Yeah, yeah. why not? Like, Give them a go. A little bit of experience. Quality of the goals was savage as well. Do you have to remember, I think Hungary had no, um, I don't know how they got on their other group matches, but they had no qualifying campaign. So they didn't have that same level of preparation that you might have. And I'm not, uh, it's just a bit of an expectation manager. I think Spain, it seems like, might be the most likely of those three. Yeah. Uh, depending on how the games go you today, know, and that'll be an altogether different uh, assignment. Underage powerhouse Spain, fair enough. Mm. Um Evan Ferguson, England, no way. Thank Evans for that as teenage striker Ferguson. This is international future lads. No, but boys and green. So technically, as Mark McCadden points out, he could still uh, change because uh, the way FIFA rules changed, you now have to have played a certain number of competitive games. I think it's three competitive games if you're under 21. They're always at it. They're uh, always at it. Well, uh, they're not, right? They are, though. No, 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 no. This all came from... It was Paul Rowan who's been writing about this for months. I know, but like... Also, we would ask... Sorry, hang on a second. Uh, sorry, this isn't even not a, you're not even a hypothetical. Nathan Murphy asked Harry Kane, "Would he play for Ireland?" So I <laughs> mean, Nathan if they're Murphy, all the time, we're definitely uh, you know. Remember before before he became Harry Kane? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he was Nathan was like, "Oh, you've got your Mayo roots, whatever Mayo." Is, uh, right? I mean, I mean, that's not a question. That's not uh, that's just Mayo being at it. That's uh, it was definitely well, it was Mayo. It was definitely a, you know, what you think about it? And it was still Galway an roots, at that point, it? and it was Galway. Galway and then he was actually Nathan's really from Galway now. Anyway, that's his local uh, radio hat on. And um, he said, "Yeah, you know, no, I'm." Uh, England all in and it kind of feels like you're sort of semi-obliged to ask the same thing but he's, he's, he's qualified yeah, he, 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 would get, he would get a stack of England caps few England games or a few bad games for Evan Ferguson all of a sudden oh yeah he's Irish he's, he's absolutely Irish well he is absolutely Irish well he is absolutely Irish he, was never, he, was never <laughs> he, he said himself he wouldn't be allowed uh, back apparently in. Melissa Wright is getting shit for asking the question is, is that you and is that, were you no at no I'd say it came from above I wouldn't blame Melissa Wright for it to be honest I'd say that's a question Come on. no but, it, but it, the question started because Paul Rowan was writing oh he can still play for England and it's like I hadn't heard anybody say it hadn't you know to yeah, be fair, she, to be fair, the question was asked more tongue in cheek. It wasn't like a. I think she had said question. also my friends in what different WhatsApp groups. If I'm right, just making sure that he it won't. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Or maybe, maybe it was that he will. Anyway, OTBAM with you, that lad. We've got the ultimate shaver. Your money back. Neon Night editions available now. Uh, Ferguson, the hype train that we have been on, and choo 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 all the way from like the first seconds that everybody else seems to have caught up. But Roberto De Zerbi is driving the train. It turns out, <laughs> like. Really pushing the agenda. Every yeah. available opportunity is like, now nah, this guy's just unbelievable. I, I, you should, he's just, he's better. He's even better than you guys think. It's like, mm. I mean. One of the best players in the Premier League, is that what he said in his latest, latest, latest comments? <sighs> Head of the Man City game tonight. It'd be interesting to see him tonight now. I hope he, because he's obviously been, man, his minutes are being managed. Is that the, mm. you know, the word of these things that he's Yeah, and, and I guess now they're going to have European football next year. His minutes will be managed next season as well, but that's great because like every game is going to be a big game next year. They obviously will have a target on their backs after playing so well people would be preparing for Brighton as like a, a brilliant team <laughs> you've got like three or four players you need to absolutely be careful of and they seem to have done a load of business already uh, um, if, if everything is confirmed that we think is going to be confirmed about them they've, they've handled their business pretty early in the season 
And um, yeah, very interesting to see what happens, assuming the Zerbi stays. Bit of competition brought in with Joe Pedro joining from, from Watford as well. Brighton wouldn't ordinarily pay £30 million for a player. In fact, I think that's well above their, their transfer record. Yeah. So uh, this is a good player that they're bringing in. But we had Andy Naylor on from The Athletic yesterday and he was saying like, this is not a problem for Evan Ferguson whatsoever. The Zerbi really fancies him. And that this is just because, as you say, they'll have European football next year. They'll have a lot more games. Do you know he could be his replacement eventually? That like They're really good at that kind of stuff? Where yeah. And they have a bunch of other 18-year-olds who they're giving game time to at the moment who are also forwards. They brought that Australian on last weekend. Your man in seesaw as well, isn't he? They're pretty mm-hmm. good, yeah. yeah. And um, Undav obviously missed a, a sitter in one of the big games, but then has scored a few goals since. Scored an own goal too. Mm. But uh, yeah, look, they just seem to be pretty good at team building. And so, I don't know. Um, how much money will Bowles get when he gets sold? What percentage is it? Is it, is it, is it connected to the game time that he had? Or does it matter the game time that he had as a as a uh, player for the senior team? Does Our it matter just that he comes on, through? Is on it here. Hmm? Our research team is on it here. Well, I, I, just, I wonder if anybody in the comments actually knows the specifics of that because um, I think there's some kind of formula that uh, is dependent. Um, uh, Deserby said he's he's uh, going to hang around, by the way. Look, I know these oh, things look, are I, sort I, of like... I, uh, I'm, I'm certain he will hang around this season, like, but like eventually... He is not going to hang around. Yeah. Well, even in the middle of next season, you know, a big gig comes up. Who oh, you mean Deserby's going to stick around? I thought you meant. Yeah, Ferguson. yeah, Deserby yeah. said, yeah, Deserby said he'd hang around. And like, even in Ferguson, I mean, who really knows when the big money starts getting sort of tattered around? It does seem as if he's uh, culturally disposed to hanging around, obviously. But with the City game tonight, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, they've the title wrapped up, celebrations done, big games on the horizon. I mean, even City's second team is pretty, uh, pretty impressive. So, mm. um, uh, City's second team with a hangover might not be, though. Yeah. <laughs> he could go You're picking all the non-drinkers Scores five like goals tonight But Brighton will be hungover as well So they've secured European football yeah. They've nothing to oh, they, Well I suppose they it's, yeah. Guaranteed they finish six right? Yeah. I mean They played Villa in the last game Am I right? Am I, have I got my figures Facts right here? I think uh, They're probably They're probably safe anyway Because They've far superior goal difference they're thereabouts, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they are Can't uh, find the sign-on fee For Previn Ferguson But we'll find it Matoma, it sounds like Matoma's staying as well I mean, he's so good. That's, yeah. I think that is key. Yeah. I do think that is key. Like, did you see the goal, the second goal that he scored the other oh. night? And Ferguson was talking about it afterwards. He said, I've run into the position. Exactly. He knows where it's going to come. Out, and as he does, and he does that all the time. Yeah. You can't be missing those. They're the ones that, like, you can't be missing those. Mm. But, um, no, it was sensational. I, 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 Colin was saying the first one, ah, keeper should have saved that. I don't think the keeper can save those ones where... Did he expect it? Well, it's also straight... Like... Big men getting straight down to their feet. Mm. You know, there's a reason why they do all those. Um, it's like, uh, where are you going to score? Right in the corner, right at him. Just mm. anyway, Gambazuna would have saved. would have saved. He might have gone with his feet, as I say. <laughs> there's, um, you know, there's an experience to that. Uh, it's um, what? Where are we? It's May. Kerry, you're <laughs> playing Cork. Darroche. Ah, Cork. I mean. I don't know if we're going to keep it kicked out of them. They're so good in the papers today. Every year for the last decade, as Kerry have racked up massive scores. Sorry, they're not even playing Cork this weekend. Uh, they've got to play Loud first, right? Loud and Cork is this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's like, oh, this is, this is serious now for Kerry. We, we're actually worried about Cork. And if it was true that they were worried about Cork, it would be serious. Yeah, it's trying to invent a, an interest in Munster football, isn't it? I mean, we, we see now where Kerry are at. Kerry had a per league campaign hang on you're writing them off no 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 go on there go on but they had a per league campaign by Kerry's standards and we're thinking right they'll be they'll be okay for championship then they obviously they win the Munster championship 
without a much of a bother, but that's hardly a surprise. At a and then, well, and then we see where they're at in, in Killarney at the weekend against Mayo. And did we see where they're at? I, 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 I don't think we did. But I, this championship football against Mayo, the difference in topping your group and not topping your group, Kerry will very soon realise could be key because they could now what? Let, let's say now they finish second in the group. Let's assume Mayo win the last two games. Kerry finished second in the group, so they have a preliminary quarter final against someone who finishes third. That could be that could be anyone. That could be a Monaghan. It could be a, a nasty. Uh, what, could will, be a will, that, will that be in Killarney? Um, I don't know what the home. I, I assume second place gets the home advantage, as 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 opposed to the third place team. I think, um, given the not the thing that we've spoken about with the group stages before, but the non jeopardy aspect of it, particularly for Kerry footballers, it just doesn't suit their psyche. Like they come forward when. You know, the backs is the wall. They actually need to win the game. And but I know there's been a lot made about Mayo haven't won there in 175 years and all that sort of stuff. But it is. We, we spoke about it last week. Um, it, I wasn't saying it was a dead rubber. But it wasn't exactly. No, but a, what people don't realise is Kerry losing that match now means they'll probably, in an All Ireland quarter final, assuming they get past a preliminary quarter final, in a quarter final they'll play Dublin or Galway or Derry. So. You've all of a sudden by losing to Mayo, given yeah. yourself a horrific yeah. pass to the yeah. Ireland. It's, like, uh, it's much more difficult. It's I, I actually think it was a big game. It really matters, and I think uh, I think that like Mayo reborn as a result of it. The other thing is you never give a sucker an even break. Mayo are now looking at themselves, going, "Jesus, everything we said we'd do, we're doing. We won the league. We licked our wounds after this common game. We come back and we roared into Kerry in Killarney in a full 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 house. But on the back of their minds, they know that it's not real." But on the back yes. of their minds, but hang on, yes. like this, I, I, I have to say, I think that this is all um, like ancient, uh, an ancient approach to ah, league is league and championship is championship and championship doesn't start till back. And it's like, uh, hang on a second now, John B. Keane, how does anybody actually recover form? It, it's going to be in previous years, right? Uh, Tyrone in the middle of the league could ship seven goals or whatever it was down in Kerry, and they could have a team meeting afterwards, and they could take a month to get going, and they could find their way. Only time that I can actually remember a team in the middle of the championship having radical surgery is the halftime in the drawing game where Mickey Hart completely changes his team, makes six changes, they get a draw against Dublin, blow them away in the replay and go on and win the All-Ireland. But that was, again, that was a team who'd already won it. Mm. Maybe, maybe some of the, the Horan era, they made such big changes with the goalkeeper and some other things, but never, never as radical as a you know, change in form from being beaten at home by five points to then you know, just casually coming up and beating the Dubs or Derry or Galway. I don't in, think they in went the semi-final. Out. I don't think Kerry. Obviously, I'm not saying that Kerry went out to lose the game for sure. They obviously put all their tactics in place. The players went out to win the game. They're up for it because it's Mayo. I'm accepting all of that, but equally, there is that quiet voice in the back of a Kerry head saying, "It doesn't really matter, lads." It'll be grand on the track. And like they're not, the evidence of that would be that they're not going to spend the next couple of weeks pouring over a defeat to Mayo in a match that doesn't really mean anything. Well, except that everybody now has tape on Kerry and how to beat them. Mm. And everybody now has uh, able to whisper in their ear going, Jeez, you know, I, I added all this year. Mm, well, yeah, I got fat over the, uh, on, the, on the spoils of being All-Ireland champions. Metaphorically, lads, you're leaning back there. You're all in champions. You don't need to do the work, and you didn't do the work. Did you do the work? That was the thing. Work rate against Mayo wasn't there. Like, uh, was there defensive structures? Was it exposed by Kerry? Like, Colin, Colin Boy last night was talking about the matchups and Kerry getting the matchups very wrong against Mayo, and that's something that you'd think they'd have learned from the from the league match as well earlier in the year. What are you saying? Are you saying that like <laughs> Kerry are not what we thought they were, or that they're like? What are you reading into this? Because I I think that this could become a footnote 
No, I think I think they beat I think they beat Cork in Cork in the next game, and I think they beat Loud at the neutral venue in the last game, and I think they get to the, the preliminary quarter final where they play a third place team. They'll probably win that match, and then all of a sudden they'll potentially have an extremely difficult quarter. They final. could have a really easy third place team, right? They could have. They, yeah. they could have, or they could have a, a quite difficult third place team. Yeah. But you know, the draw and the hot balls, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's very unusual for Kerry to get uh, difficult draws. <laughs> um, uh, uh, that's just a conspiracy theory. I don't have to believe that, obviously. Uh, so, I, like, I, I do think that these games really matter. And, and like, turning a season around is going to be difficult. Mm. And I also think that, like, as the season goes on, you're going to start suffering injuries. You're going to start having suspensions. It's much better to be a team who's winning at this point and, like, not having that extra game, for example. Like, so it's game, 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 I think. Or it's certainly three games in four weeks at least. Uh, I think there's one gap week. They have June 3rd against Cork and then they have June 17th or 18th so there's yeah. two weeks between that and the Louth match. And then after the Louth match <clears throat> preliminary quarter-final yeah. unless Mayo screw up and then quarter-final what's the, what's the do you have those preliminary quarter-finals will be 24th, 25th of June so a week after that last game <clears throat> against um, <clears throat> the uh, week after the last match and then it must be the quarter-final the next week because quarter-final is the next week yeah. First three games in three round. weeks Yeah. so it doesn't matter <sighs> yeah that's going to be tough that's very tough now players prefer matches probably compared to training but Still three matches in three weeks is... So one tweaks a hammer, though. Yeah. You want that extra... Bit of time to, to recover. Yeah, it's a lot. That's it's a lot. why I think this stuff matters. Like, and, you know, maybe they're fine and maybe everybody finds form. Um, we shall see. Mm. It's difficult. You still think it doesn't matter at all? I think they'll be grand. I genuinely think... Grand means winning the All-Ireland. Yeah, I, think, well, I, don't, I don't think it dents their... I don't think it should dent their odds on winning the All Ireland. It's definitely. I think it absolutely should, and it does now. Dublin are favourites, by the way. That that happened off the back of last weekend. Yeah, right. With Dublin are favourites. Yeah. Well, Dublin have Dublin. <laughs> Dublin have what a fairly. What are Kerry? Dublin have a fairly straightforward uh, run through. Now they might get Kerry in the quarterfinals. Mm. Can we? Do, it, do, I, there's no. That's a, an open draw for the second place teams, right? Like it is. Mm. So my old. Where are Mayo in that? Oh, Mayo still a big price because so like but we're, we're bigger Mayo Mayo up for saying that they went down to Killarney and beat well, the champions should, after all these years and but well they shortened their odds yeah it, it absolutely shortened Mayo hype train has officially it's it's left the yeah it's left and I think that's fair. I I think that as as much as I'm saying that Kerry shouldn't get too down about this and I know that that they won't and it's you know a bit of a defeat will be a little bit of salt into the wound and give them a bit of energy I'm sure for the next few weeks but like equally Mayo should absolutely get on board the hype train and the players should be thinking like I'm sure the management team are saying well Joe Biden emailing one of the mayors yesterday finishing off maybe maybe it's all coming together you know? who did he email what was this he was thanking the mayor of one of the towns I think it was the mayor oh, Banana, yeah the young fella. Mayo for Sam. Yeah. One more thing. Mayo for Sam. Maybe oh, maybe it's Joe destined. Biden. Who are you saying? Yeah, Joe <laughs> who Biden. Are you, who are you that saying? Was, that was Joe Biden. Biden. Sorry. <laughs> that was Joe Biden. You've been better off doing your GMAC impression. We're talking about Joe Biden, yeah. Um, but yeah, they should just they should they should absolutely say, "Well, we've beaten the champions in their own backyard." That's so you got to convince yourself of this stuff. Very harsh. Isn't however, uh, however <laughs> true, however true it is, or otherwise. Yeah, ta- uh, are you not buying Mayo now? I'm I'm back in on Mayo. You're back in a Mayo. You you also think Dublin are going to win the Ireland? Oh, I do. Yeah, but I think Mayo are going to like go much further than I thought. I thought that there was a potential 
for them to be a bit flaky after what happened against Roscommon but it turns out that six that weeks was, off is that was massive. a blip and who cares who cares about the Connacht Championship they all have medals the, the vast majority of them have got medals the lads were out in the sun for two weeks the male players <laughs> two weeks like, I mean they had two weeks in the sun before they even had to go back to training it's that armada blood that's why they we were talking as well about the rules this morning Ger. Yeah, we, we talked to David Clark obviously about this as a goalkeeper just to get his thoughts but um, these new rules are going to be trialled in the higher education tournaments uh, next time around so the Sigerson Cup we get these new rules um, myself and Adrian were trying to rack our heads as to how they're going to work basically goalkeepers goal kicks have to go beyond the 45 before yeah. the defending team I, yeah. you shouldn't, you shouldn't team confess that you didn't understand this rule because it's very simple S- simple, but no, no, no. Sorry, understand the rule. But don't give them don't the, the, the nuclear <laughs> thing, lads. <laughs> but also, let them fly a plane or operate any heavy vehicles. Yeah, the, there are sideline. Uh, I've actually had flying lessons in the past before. Oh so my I've, god, I've been well, I ain't getting in the plane with you, buddy. I've been entrusted with an airplane. When you hear your pilot today, it's uh, Shane Hannon. How does the, the kick out rule work? Happen. You have to kick it over the forty-five. Yeah, that's the yeah. kick out rule. And so if it doesn't, if it doesn't go over the forty-five, you as the I don't know what you would defending be the, team or would you be the defending team? Goalkeeper, you would be the defending team when your goalkeeper kicks it out. You are defending. Or, your or goal. are you attacking? I mean, <laughs> which came first, the chicken or the egg? But anyway, you got to stop. Whatever it is, you got to stand back and you got to let. Do you see what we have to put up with? <laughs> you you got to stop. You could be the attacking right. team. When do you, when, the when do you become, wit, when, do you become the, when do you become the attacking team? Well, you, you're, you know, it's your goals. Yeah. So your keeper kicks it out and you grab it under the rules, right? I think you're the. Under the rules, you're the defending team. Sorry, it's not the Sigerson, is it? It's the higher education. I said Sigerson, but the higher education could it's be the freshers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sigerson yeah. is uh, Sigerson is the higher education. Yeah, it's go. the ultimate, and then it's the freshers. Stand corrected. Well, I don't know. Is it in the Sigerson as well? They're not surely screwing up the Sigerson. Uh, no, they wouldn't touch it. They might they? do it in the league. So yeah. if it doesn't make it past the forty-five, you as the defending team, you got to stand back and let your opponent grab it, or else grab it and then give a free to the to the opposition. Exactly. From there. Yeah. So it's basically I, what is it trying to do away with? Short kickouts, which 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 I I really love. I love when the players meet in the middle and then they all make their little divergent. What's runs wrong with short kickouts? Like it's it's ruining the game. It's blighting it's the not, game. Blah, blah 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 blah. The bit blah, that's blah, ruining blah, the game. Blah, blah. So this is basically going to get to try and get the ball quicker up to the lateral zone, mm. so they can more quickly go over and back across the pitch. That's it's, all that's happening here. It's a return to the days of old where you just smack the ball along and and, and hope for the best. I don't know. It it I, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. It look, seems I, to I be love addressing a problem that's not there. Yeah. in my view, like I think that the lateral thing could we do something about that? That'd be, you know. Well, it's going to cause the likes of David David Moran came up on the show last night, and like David Moran, if this new rule is interpreted and in, say senior football, he's all of a sudden going to like, oh, should I stay on for another year or two? High, high fielding is now the most important uh, skill in the sport because these goal kicks have to go long. So I don't know. It, it'll change some players' opinions as to how long they play on in the game but the other one was the sideline balls as well that have to go forward if they're kicked between the 20 metre and the 20 metre line um, sidelines free kicks marks all have to go forward yeah essentially or can't go backwards and now you're obviously into a yeah did that go sideways it's already unrefereeable sport they're making far more complicated than it needs to be like mm. they should be simplifying the rules not making them more complex get rid of the advanced mark let teams deal with the rules the way they are and let the best attacking teams rise to the top the way they have done in sport over the last two decades and stop whining about it and let's get on with it. If they said between the two 20 metre lines the ball can't go back at all from open play or any situation, that's actually easier to referee. Makes more sense. Yeah. And would make more sense to do away with the lateral stuff. Uh, thanks for ruining Ted Lasso on me, says Tennis Tank. We did not, there were no spoilers. What was the no spoiler? one, No one said anything. Something about a goldfish. Yeah, that's uh, hard Morning, lads. You need to chat about Bod's comments that Paulie is ahead of Raj to become the future Irish manager, says Shane Doyle. I, have, uh, I was travelling yesterday, haven't had the opportunity yet to listen back to uh, Brian, which you can obviously get on the OTB rugby feed on your podcast. 
Yeah, um, that was that pretty much sums it up. He um, obviously Joe was asking there's a lot of quite a lot of uh, discussion at the minute about uh, the rising star that is Roger. It's pretty high in the sky at the minute. I mean, I don't know how further uh, much further it can rise. He obviously made the comments afterwards, Stashling, that uh, the Ireland gig is in his uh, crosshairs at some point or another. So it'll be interesting to see. It was always the Ireland gig. Yeah, I wonder. Um, you know, so I was watching a bit of uh, New Zealand uh, TV highlights last night, but their reflections on the game. John Carroll was on. Why are you doing this yourself? Just a matter of interest. Know, what, know, what kind know, of masochism? I it's I haven't, lot, um, like, I haven't, this is the big reveal. I haven't uh, brought myself to be able to watch the entire game back yet, but I have watched uh, some of the highlights, and it's, it's it gets more awful with every rewatch. Um, sorry, they were saying <laughs> I'm totally distracted now by my grief. Um, they were saying that they, they were they were very enthusiastic about the atmosphere to begin with. Because well, I was told uh, it was shite, even though I was there and it was great. Uh, John Kerwin, they were uh, they were obviously just watching it on the TV. And, yeah. picking, and I was there and it was unbelievable. The yeah. atmosphere was incredible. It was Everybody electric. Everybody I spoke to who was at the game that said it was incredible. The jeopardy of a final against, like it's the, the those two teams now is the biggest rivalry in European rugby, like undeniably. I mean, Larry Shell might tell you it's not even a rivalry because they've got so much the upper hand, but it's the, the competition between the the two of them is fierce. You could feel that outside of the ground. You could feel it on the way in. There was loads of um, Larishell people around. It was a crack of day. The atmosphere was brilliant. The sense of anticipation. Um, it was brilliant. The whole, I really enjoyed it. And I think that like, it's a slightly different atmosphere. Um, I know it's been compared obviously with some of the great, the great monster uh, away days. And there's a few different dynamics that go on with away days in the sense that you have... Uh, a travelling party of people going abroad, a bit like the Lara Shell supporters mm. were for the game at the weekend, and there's a bit more of a, b- a band of people together, I think, in a way that you don't get with a home game like that. And um, I also think the way the game went, like, if people were a little bit quiet at a certain point, it was because, like, we're the watching. nerves were off yeah. the charts. Like. I'm sorry, just as well, the whole thing about the Aviva, people getting up and, and going for pints, it's all ball. It- it's all nonsense. Like, nobody left their seats because the game was in jeopardy. But everybody complains about, oh, people are going up. Why can't they sit down and watch the Italy game and we're 40 nil up? It's like, well, because we're 40 nil up. It's, uh, it's the whole point. This whole thing about the Aviva, the atmosphere being terrible. Oh, they should stop serving drink. When the game is in the melting pot, nobody gets up and leaves their seats. Mm. That's the thing. Mm. Like... No true rugby fans. Well, I have, we, we should touch more on the Leinster game, lads. Kildare and Westmeath men here. I need to... Need to hear your thoughts. The, your, the, the, your, the lads, your trauma. On Monday, Shane. I know you are. To but get back, to, get back, to get back to the point, here, back to the point. Mills Mullaney and John Kerwin. They were saying <laughs> that. Um, they were saying that, like you know, uh, this is a good template now for all the other teams in the World Cup to be looking at because that's kind of Ireland. And while it's not kind of France in terms of personnel, it is kind of France in terms of the game plan. Well, or and you scrape yeah, that Africa. for um, if you scrape that for the goodness that there's a whole pile of pointers as to what could be achieved here. So, yeah, I think um, and I think Brian Driscoll is making that point too in the bits that I've seen in the papers today, where they're lifting his comments from last night's off the ball. They were saying too about how if we don't have Sexton, we're not going to win the World Cup. Yeah, um, the one thing that I wondered about was like. I would I would encourage Andy Farrell at some point or another. So leave it leave it a few weeks. Not maybe even leave it like or a not, month or, or two. Or sorry, give us your idea first. Maybe you just do it straight away. Leave it a month or two. While, no, I, while I think, it's there, while the surgery. I think let it sit because I think the initial reaction might be, "No, you're okay, thanks." Le- leave it a little while, and he has been involved with the Ireland camp before. Give Raj a shout, and a very open-ended question: Is there anything you can do to help us win the World Cup? And, like, leave him at it. Maybe he wants to come in and get involved, take a few sessions, give some advice in the background. He's got a job, though. 
He has a job, but this is not in conflict with that job. You mean inside info on the French lads in La Rochelle I mean, and how I, to, I mean, how to I mean, wind them up? I don't want to get too specific on it because he could have anything that he might bring to the party. And I think that we should be, you know, because I think while while there obviously have been, and I'm not reopening old wounds, there have been certain areas of the country that have been delighted about what happened at the weekend. Would, you maybe, would you maybe just um, book a flight for a little bit of a, you know, it's summertime and it's got a couple of weeks off before you go into camp. Just do a bit of wine tasting, maybe yeah. accidentally be down the La Rochelle, Ile de Ray direction. And Atlantic coast of France, yeah. Just make a phone call and go, oh, I, I just wondered if you had any recommendations. In the area. Good, good coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're at home? <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm just I, outside your door, actually. I'd, I'd hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way. Oh, you know, that is me, yeah. That is me, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think we could do worse. I, I, I'm not in the slightest bit being facetious about that. He, Andy Farrell, I'm sure, will be leaving no stone unturned in the party. Adrian Barry says, Rog, your country needs you. Yeah. yeah. Bring him in for a talk. That's, I mean, the, that's the title. James O'Donoghue said in the football pod this week that they had Rog in for a talk with the Kerry footballers a number of years ago. He used to come in and give them a little bit of um, words of wisdom. So there's no reason why we can't even at least get him in for a Well, he a has talk. been involved with Ireland before, wasn't he? Was he involved with the Chicago game that he was involved in that time? There was a, there was a US tour. That oh yeah, was, yeah 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 yeah. Uh, it was uh, George Smith. It was, it was later, wasn't it? Maybe it, it was. was after the, that. It was the we played the USA and Italy uh, the next year, did we? I can't remember those games. It was at all. one of the. It was the Lions year, and I can't remember exactly what year was that. That was uh, seven. Uh, okay, so but Paulie is ahead of him. That was what uh, what Brian was saying. I think it was sort of on the basis that he's, like, in the he's obviously been in there and about, and also the, his point is his overriding point was that like obviously the stuff that. Uh, Roger's achieving is extremely high profile and he's on the TV and he comes across really well and he's clearly doing an amazing job whereas O'Connell's stuff is all sort of um, off-Broadway but doing an equally brilliant job. I think too the whole point of having a succession plan is that you're supposed to activate it that like you're training the next coaching ticket through your system. Having said that there's like you're going to have to when the opportunity comes you're going to have to have an interview and you're going to have to go what's your plans lads and you know, have at it. And maybe, maybe they can somehow come to some kind of arrangement where they... Jointly take it. it. it There's egos involved here. It could never happen. It could never happen. No. I don't think. Well, I think that that if you do that, then you never get... You don't get the benefit of having them both individually. Yeah, it's a dream ticket on paper. Would you do like um, Michal Martin, Leo Varadkar? Six months on, six months off. (laughs) (laughs) You take La Rochelle when I'm done. Like, everybody's everybody's happy. Like... Mm. uh, uh, Mason is Clive Clark nephew says shifty laddie Captain Stoke for years Newtown man Kennedy lad mm. okay, this is all breaking news to us mm. Harry Kane's dad was born in Galway still has lots of family letter frack Gwail Gores and great musicians regularly on TG Gahar says ML89 he's very good locally sponsoring teams with donations etc mm. Harry Kane or his his dad I presume Harry Kane uh, would his dad have lots of money to be who's regularly on TG Car? <laughs> that's what I'm the trying family, the family okay, okay. the family the Canes yeah the, the extended family will Spurs want a result against Leeds for the Conference League lifeline for Leeds maybe says Lorkey I don't think so uh, Ted Lasso spoiler straight out of the gate there wasn't was there oh, I just the, mentioned a line that I have no context around because I haven't seen it I have a memory like a goldfish but uh, um, see what you did there uh, we should mention Eddie Dunbar before we f- wrap up um, unbelievable scenes at the Giro d'Italia from an Irish perspective not just with uh, with Eddie but with Ben Healy as well Ben Healy taking the King of the Mountains jersey yesterday this is amazing is really impressive um, and he, he was only reeled in in the final climb as well so that was over 5,000 metres of climbing by the way 
yesterday. Over, over, one day? Over, over the 200 Oh my kilometers. God, I do like 150 and I'm like, oh my God, I'm dead. This is terrible. <laughs> it's just insanity. Is, I need to finish. Yeah. But wow. We, we were saying yesterday, Eddie Dunbar's targeting a top 10 finish and it's only his second Grand Tour, so that would be amazing. He's now in the top five. So like, when it's going to happen, yeah. When, when all of a sudden there is a focus, does a focus change? But yeah, top five general classification. There was a stage sixteen yesterday. He was toe to toe with the main contender. So Irish lads ripping it up in the absolutely Giro. sensational. Yeah. And um, yeah, apparently the weather's been absolutely horrific mm. across the Giro too. So yeah, it's like all of a sudden we now have like real strength and depth when it comes to uh, cycling at the elite level and all different types of cyclists. And they're both from Bantir and Cork. I think they're both. I think both Dunbar and Healy are from the same place in Cork. Are they? Uh, someone commented that yesterday, so let us know in the comments if that's accurate, but I'm pretty sure they're both from... from it's like the of cycling. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So. This is very impressive stuff that yeah. they're doing. Anyway, we'll try and get a bit more information on uh, on what's happening uh, a little bit later on in the week for you. OTBAM live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. The online edition is available now. OTBAM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. On this week's The Koi Gig Podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's Ona Barrier ahead of the final day of the Women's Super League season. I like and I love these kind of uh, moments, these kind of games, like with those crowds and that pressure. I just love it. So I really wanted to enjoy every second. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig Podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. I couldn't believe how bad... Kerry were for the entire 70 minutes. You've been there before after winning in All-Ireland and, you know, maybe starting late uh, your preparation for the following year or, you know, having a Leinster campaign that you you might cruise through before you really get to the business end of it. We've obviously never seen a format like this before where Kerry will realistically get into the preliminary round of the quarterfinals. Is it possible to switch it on this far into the summer? Michael Murphy brought this point up and he was questioning it big time that the the Kerry personnel is, is basically the same. Now it's the same players that, that have won the All-Ireland last year and been in the trenches the last couple of years. We would have made a note with Dublin. The following year we won an All-Ireland. There was always three or four changes to the team. We had the luxury, we had that depth of panel that whether we were playing pretty easy Leinster Championship matches, and that was the reality of it, we were under pressure to perform because someone else was going to take our spot. That was the, the benefit we had. We, we kind of 25 guys who were playing, who could all play in the team. Uh, and for Kerry, you're looking at it there, it's the same team that won the All-Ireland last year. You know, and that's, you could say that's a positive because they've got real consistency, consistency and selection. The guys know each other's patterns of play, things like that. But there's an edge there that Kerry just did not seem to have. That you're thinking, like Jack Barry and Dermot O'Connor are kind of wiped at midfield. Yeah. Timothy Foley struggles. Tom Sullivan struggles. Who's taking their places? You know, whether you like it or not, those, that, that's pretty much going to be the team that plays the next day for Kerry as well. And that's a dangerous situation to be in where you only know if a team is hungry or you only know if they have an edge when it, when it happens on the day. You can do, oh, we're training hard, we're doing all this, we're, our preparation is good. You get your feedback on the pitch. And for Kerry, for their first, for their first test of 2023 was Saturday. And it was a miserable failure. But yeah. what, that's, what, what does Jack O'Connor do? Does he, does he drop a tenet of but for who? James, for, who bring in? OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Yeah, it's safe to say Paddy Andrews doesn't agree with uh, Adrian Barry's assessment of the Kerry Mail game. To get more on that now and uh, the football championship and maybe some of the rules as well, I'm delighted to say David Clark is with us this morning. David, good morning to you. How are you? 
Morning, man. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, that was pretty interesting at the weekend. You know, I'm not sure everybody, not sure anybody had a five point win for Mayo, and it wasn't really just a five point win. It was like good performances all over the field, tactically very adept, a proper identifiable game plan. Some players playing better than we've seen them play in a couple of years. It, it, uh, you have to be excited if you're a Mayo fan. Yeah, I suppose still have that uh, maybe that warm feeling on a Wednesday morning after after a weekend like that. Uh, expectations gone through the roof, but uh, I know realistically, yeah, it's uh, it's great as you said. You've, you've named it out there. You could see you could see what Mayo were trying to do. Um, going back to the week before the game, Kevin McStay said it out plainly enough. Really, he goes he goes Mayo are going to bring a lot of aggression to the game. It wasn't anything about tactics. Wasn't anything about too fancy. That that's that's the type of talk because after the Roscommon game, there was a feeling uh, Mayo probably didn't get to the pitch of the game. They didn't get in their faces. They didn't push up high enough up the pitch. But it was all different against against Kerry. And uh, with that, then I suppose you seen the very best of Mayo um, pressing high, real runners from all over the pitch. Uh, great energy. And uh, I suppose just one thing Paddy touched on there in, the, in that last clip is you don't know if a team is hungry or not until they get onto the pitch. And uh, it was in the first about two or three seconds, Aidan O'Shea and Paddy Clifford clashed together. And there was only one winner there. And uh, I suppose that's the storm. For me, you could see you could see that Aidan O'Shea was, was in a frame of mind that he was going to cause a bit of damage. And uh, from there, I suppose, things took off lovely. Um it's uh, it's it's a testament, I suppose, really, to Kevin McStay, uh, the fellas that he brought back into the team. I know there was injuries against Roscommon, but he's shown real faith, I suppose, starting to cut him real goal. He uh, he said it's all out at the start of the year. Um, he said it's all out at the start of the year that Cullum was his man, David McBrien full back, uh, Jack Coyne, you know, give him with some uh, some real real important roles. Uh, uh, Connor Loftus centre back. Again, really stuck with him. He said, "That's that's the role for you, Connor. We're going to we're going to get you involved there." And then up front, James Carr came back into the team and had a, had a great impact as well. He brings something different to, to the Mayo team. But yeah, all positive stuff, and uh, it's 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 looking good for us. That's probably what we said after the um, the, the Roscommon loss, David, as well. That look, maybe this this time off and time away, whatever it was, five or six weeks could be good for Mayo. And as it turned out, I mean, Kevin McStay let the lads go off for for two weeks, maybe got got a bit of sun. And then back into the training. So, do you think that had an impact the the rest? I guess in comparison to the Kerry team. Uh, not sure if it's the rest. I suppose maybe after being at a a high after winning that league final, it was difficult maybe to to lower down and get back up to 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 a certain level that's needed for championship football against Roscommon. I suppose that that step away, as I said, it was a slight break. Uh, we played a club game. Two or three of the Belna lads came back and played and played played the game with us. And then they went back into camp. But uh, I suppose they were able to get a couple of these lads fit. Some of these under-20s, um, Dunnick and McHugh, Sam Callanan, they were, they were back in the frame again. And as always, when you do have that long break, some of the players come out of um, come out of the pack. Paul Cahora hadn't played a whole pile. I know he had injuries during the year. He hadn't played a whole pile. And Jason Darty, he was only playing cameo roles coming in as centre-back. And he was trusted with a, a kind of a wing-forward position because... Um, I suppose he deserves a huge amount of credit because he's had a, an unbelievably tough couple of years with cruciates and different serious injuries. So he, two of them two boys came out of the pack and uh, they were trusted with with jobs. But I suppose it freshened up. And that question about hunger, I suppose it's it's that great thing about sport. It's it's not maybe so much about what you're hitting in GPSs. It's how do you measure that hunger? And 
I suppose last year Mayo got two trimmings from Curry, and deep down, uh, Mayo had that inside them. Uh, Curry, I suppose they were trying to talk up the league game in Castlebar this year that uh, you know they felt they felt they didn't do themselves justice that day. But I suppose in the back of the minds they, they they got two I suppose comprehensive enough victories earlier on, or sorry last season. So maybe there was that that feeling that. Uh, that it was going to be something similar, but it was that hunger, and it's, I suppose it is that unbelievably great thing about sport. If you can get that inside you, it's, sometimes it's impossible to know if you have it until you get onto the pitch. But uh, Mayo definitely had it on at the weekend. It seems the other thing. So you've kind of talked about players coming back from injury. There, the other thing they've managed to do is blood a number of younger players who have come through successful underage sides in recent years and uh, put them in the team and give them very defined roles. So their responsibility is clear and there's no doubt about what in their minds about what they need to do and they've, they appear to be able to do that very well which is kind of merging the old guards, getting the best out of them by again, you know, you mentioned Aidan O'Shea uh, reintroducing the injured players and at the same time freshening the squad up with youthful exuberance and real pace. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a real, I suppose, trait of Mayo the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years, if not more pace from all over the pitch and uh, the way I suppose James Horne deserves, deserves a huge amount of credit the way he's blooded a lot of these players like there's not there's not I don't think any of them that are the first year in the panel a lot of these lads were there even in my own time so they're, they're in and around the mix of the panel Dave McBrien was there in my own time uh, Jack Coyne was in for a small while in my own time Jack Carney has played the last couple of years um, Cullum Reap was even in, la- in last year with James Horne I think he was there as number three um, so uh, as you go through through the team, James Carr is there a good while. Um, Sam Canlan and Dunlop McHugh. Sam Canlan was there last year, and Dunlop McHugh was there in around the panel last year as well. So there's that that bit of groundwork that was put in that the, you know it wasn't all new to them. But as I said, uh, Kevin McStay seen what he liked, and he really went with them. And as you said, he he, he trusted them, and I suppose trust from a manager um, is great. Like just gives you confidence that you can have a couple of goes at this if it doesn't go right the first or second day you get another shot and then you develop into your game because um, it's 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 shown now that these boys are ready and they've, they've taken on uh, taken those steps forward and when you've seen the, the quality of the bench that Mayo were coming coming with in the last you know 20 minutes uh, you've you know five six lads who are really in a position that um, you know would be playing in, in many people's minds but um they were able to come on and make it, make an impact, which was great, especially around that middle eight, that middle middle part of the pitch where all that running and hard and hard work is done, and and that pace is needed. You know, maybe we were able to bring on uh, you know St- um, Paddy Durkin there made a great impact. Enda Hessian, you know, great pace. Stephen Cohn really calm and control. Owen McLaughlin, you know, aggressive, raw, great finish, look classy finish for the goal, but these different these different angles and runners. But yeah, there's been a great there's been a great mix. Of the youth and experience, uh, as you look through the team, I suppose I, I heard Kevin as well saying before they went down to Curry that like this group sees themselves as equals to Curry, even though there had been them couple of uh, poor defeats last year. But um, those older, more experienced players, you know, they, they, they wouldn't necessarily fear Curry. And then when you have that from your older players and you have your younger, hungrier lads coming in behind it, it, uh, it, it definitely pushes the team in the right direction. There does seem to be some kind of template where uh, Lee Keegan, Oshin Mullen um, are gone and then it's just like new ones spring up like mushrooms overnight who are the, not quite the equivalent yet in terms of athleticism and achievement but like um, what's in the water uh, off the West Coast that all of a sudden 
you've got like these fast lads who can run 100 metres 25 times in the first half and then do it again in the second half oh it's a good question um, I don't know is it maybe that these lads were, were looking at the team the last 10-15 years you know some of these lads in their early 20s so the, all their football is seen as Mayo being an exciting team running from running from the back and um, they were some of Mayo's best players as you said uh, Lee Keegan Oshin Mullen Keith Higgins for years you had Donald Vaughan Cullen Boyle you know real, real, it was their half back line and the, them type of players that really you know excited the Mayo public and uh, it, it became cool to be that type of player and to, and to have a go at it um, but I suppose one thing I remember years ago Lee McHale is in the coaching ticket there but he says you can't coach pace it's uh, you either have it or you don't have it, and it's uh, we're lucky enough that we've we've fellas that are that are in, interested in playing football and they've got that real pace and they've uh, decided to throw their lot in with with football uh, because some of them are probably hugely talented in other sports as well. But they're we're quite lucky that they've come through in that. And uh, we've a couple we've won ourselves there, Sam Canlan, like is phenomenal athlete. Is uh, only getting better week by week as a as an actual footballer. You know, decision making always cool, cool and calm. Uh, like still a kid. More. Still a kid. Oh, really. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I think I was involved in an under nineteen team and and uh, with with the club, and uh, I think he was still under eighteen. You know, the time of COVID, he wasn't allowed. Were the adult teams allowed back, and the underage weren't, or he wasn't allowed train with one of them. There was sort of a mix. There was a few months or a month or two when when COVID had played had played some tricks on us, but uh, and then he just shot off. You know what I mean? Had a couple of games with the club. The boys liked him with Mayo with the scene, and and he's in there now, and just you know he's made for it. You know, fine player, and he's only get, he's only going to get better. Like getting up the pitch, getting his kick passing going. But yeah, really impressive guy as well behind the scenes. Was it just a case, David, that that Mayo got their matchups right and Kerry got theirs wrong? Because I was listening to you mentioned Colin Boyle there. He was on the show uh, last night, and he was talking about Sam Callanan and how you know he did such a good job on Shawnee O'Shea in that first forty-five minutes. As you mentioned, then Paddy Durkin comes off the bench, um, and from a Kerry perspective, we, we said it earlier in the show, but. In the league game earlier this year, you know Jason Foley is marking Aidan O'Shea in the first half. They moved Dylan Casey onto him, uh, and O'Shea has a, has a has a very good day against Dylan Casey. And all of a sudden, they put Casey on him from the start at the weekend, and Aidan O'Shea ends up as man of the match. Was there a number of just mismatches? Do you reckon by by management on on, on the carry carry side of things? I'm not sure if you'd call it mismatches. I think it goes back to that that whole thing of getting to the pitch of the game, like. Uh, it looked like a lonely place for the full mm. back line there for Curry. Like there was Mayo. I think one thing that I was really impressed with is the way Mayo just um, when Curry did get their their kind of some ways defensive shape back there. Mayo kept huge uh, width and depth. I suppose these are two buzzwords now when coaching, but they they were able to they were leaving three lads inside there and they were keeping real width. So that D was open and you had Tig Morley. Then he didn't know whether to come out and meet Jack Carney or meet some of the runners and. Or sit back right in in front of Aidan Mache and then be overrun by runners. Um, so that, that's that, that, I think it's easy just to to, to say that it's uh, a full back issue. May, Mayor were getting time to kick those little bounce passes or those fist passes into Aiden, you know at times, and it's 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 a difficult place to be. They didn't get the protection protection I suppose that Tig Morley had offered maybe the last last season. Like that was one of the key aspects of Curry's game, getting Tig Morley back in there, covering up that deep. But I think it was something I was really impressed with Mayo that they were able to open up that pitch. You know, they obviously thought about it. It's not a natural thing to do for some of Mayo's players, maybe to nearly stand out of the play, stand on the end line, forty yards the far side of the 
of the ball and just occupy a couple of players, same the far side of the pitch, and then you had you had the runners coming through. So that's that's something I'm hoping we'll see in the next couple of weeks when when teams really do maybe sit back a bit more. Can Mayo work on that? Because that is being talked as uh, you know maybe a potential issue for Mayo going forward. But um, the, the uh, like, some of the other matchups. Sorry, sorry, I was yeah. going to say the likelihood is though that um, they're not going to face too many teams. I mean, maybe some of the Ulster teams might end up in the quarterfinal against them, but not too many teams are going to sit back and 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 be that just defensive block and not really try and win the game for the rest of the year for Mayo. That's like the the value of this victory, and we've been talking about this a good bit. Is they now have games every two weeks, all the way up to the quarterfinal, assuming that they assuming they take care of business against Loud and Cork. Loud is at home in Castle Bar. You'd expect them to win that. Cork is going to be at a neutral venue. You'd expect them to win that. And then there's two weeks before a quarterfinal and they'll be up against an opponent in that quarterfinal who'll have played three weeks in a row. It was such a big win. Yeah, look, I, I, I felt that before the game. I felt there was an opportunity there for Mayo to take the, the top seed from Kerry. Um, I've seen before, was it uh, Mayo in Super 8 a number of years ago? I was involved and we finished second in the group when you were going in straight away the week after playing Dublin in the quarterfinal. Like, it, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. You need to be in the full of your health. You need to be, you know, refreshed, focused uh, to, to play some of these these top teams who you're going to be meeting at that stage. Um, but uh, I, t- I do think in the next couple of weeks there is good. I, I don't know, are, are, are Lowes and Cork going to go man to man with Mayo? Maybe they will. Uh, but th- there will be there will be opportunities, I think, for them to sit back and and that will see another side of Mayo. Can they um, can they break that down? But um, I've no doubt that they should be able to get through those games, but I'd like to see some learnings as well because down the line there is going to be there is going to be a stage when we're not going to hit our our conversion rate like we did the last day. It was really high, and uh, we're going to be able to see can we manage a game when a team is going to sit back on us. And I could just see something happening there the last day. I suppose Kerry, they're probably it's probably not their their ideal style of play, but uh, I could definitely see Mayo trying to work something. And I was I suppose. Surprised and well, not surprised. I was I was impressed by that. Yeah, in uh, fairness, it, it is. It's a huge step for Mayo. And look, there could be Tyrone, there could be Monaghan, there could be Armagh in a, a quarter final. I mean, maybe maybe it's Galway in a quarter final. We shall see how Galway and Armagh get on against each other. That's maybe that the last one that's kind of still up for grabs in terms of those first seeds. Can I just ask you about Kerry? Right, like, um, there's concern in the in the Kerry pundits. Uh, that there's just a hangover from last year and that you can't talk yourself out of it but if any team is capable of doing it you know there is there is history for Kerry to have uh, trick trickiness in an early part of a season and for them to recover um, if they are going to recover what would the what would need to happen in your view? Um, I suppose the last time uh, I nearly gone back to Mayo they, they didn't hit the pitch of the game against Roscommon uh, they probably had a good talk about themselves and they said this is what we need to bring I've no doubt Kerry can bring up another couple of levels uh, intensity wise uh, mindset wise I'd imagine the next couple of games they'll, they'll get through them and then will they have that hunger I suppose they probably want in a, I think they want real, a real tough game at that stage when they get to this preliminary quarter final I'd say they love the toughest one they could get to, to really focus their minds. Uh, it's been a difficult enough season for them when you look at it. I suppose, was it a third of their team, if not more, were away with club action? They were late coming back into the league. Jack O'Connor was saying from early out, six points, we stay up. Uh, I suppose then he hoped 
for themselves that they had reset, they went in a training camp, cruised through Munster, that they were going to be ready for this. But uh, obviously that didn't happen. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, I still definitely wouldn't write them off. I think, I think that the, they are, it's been said maybe in some ways that it's a bad thing. They're still essentially the same team that won the All-Ireland last year. David Clifford is still in unbelievable form. Uh, Paddy Clifford, the couple of times he got on a couple of balls, he created two goal chances. Uh, there's probably more in Sean O'Shea. I think, as I said, Mayo's matchups physically and athletically, they were able to match up quite well on them. But th- th- there's a lot more in them. Uh, maybe they may have to tweak their, their, their plan going forward at the back. Are they going to leave themselves that open or are they going to meet a team like Mayo that's going to go at them that hard again for a while? So I'd imagine they'll have a, a big part to play later on the season. And I suppose... Unluckily for Mayo, they're not out of the competition because uh, Mayo has this. And the teams I would have involved in as well, you, you, you often find you might beat a team like this, but you're still talking, whatever, six, seven, eight, nine weeks <laughs> until we get to. Uh, I'm gone over there. No, six, you're seven, all right. Eight, yeah. weeks till we, I'm back again. Six, seven, eight, nine weeks till we get back to uh, uh, a final. So I'm sure there's going to be another. Another dance in the minute with, with the big boys, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they how they can get how they can get themselves up to that level again because I, I definitely wouldn't write them off anyway. We uh, we can't have you on David without asking about the the most pressurised position in, in Gaelic games the the Mayo goalkeeping position because uh, it, yeah there's always a lot of pressure on it but uh, Colum Reap uh, I think he got man of the match potentially in the in the league final against Galway kicked three points that day a few impressive saves in the in the second half of the weekend uh, one in particular comes to mind from from David Clifford. Um, have you been impressed with, with Colin Reap so far? Because there doesn't seem to be a question over the position, I guess, as there as there maybe had been in the league. Yeah, no, which is excellent. Uh, I think that first 10, 15 minutes, um, Kerry put a bit of a press on him. And I remember my own time down there was in 2019. I was looking out, Kerry depressing me, and I did not plan waving for me to kick the ball on top of him. They weren't really after me that day, and I suppose I remember they got the better of me. But cut him reap them first fifteen twenty minutes. Um, he pinged a couple out the wing, out the terrace side, got me out of trouble. Was confident going short. Uh, when he felt that he needed to go long, he went long. And what was happening? There was no there was no major plan for a break zone, but it was just that raw desire in the middle of the pitch of Jim with O'Connor getting finger t- fingertips on top of balls and a, and a break into Mayo men. But um, yeah, I was really impressed with him. Uh, his save, you know, a really important time in the game. I think Mayo had hit, in a period there, Mayo had three wides and Curry had a couple of goal chances. And uh, that, that was an, an exceptional save. Uh, positioning was, uh, uh, got down quick. <laughs> I was trying to watch it back on um, on the replay and like I think David Clifford hit the ball so quick you could barely even see what it hit like he just <laughs> rebounded out so quick so he uh, he got down really well yeah he's been he's been excellent in fairness to him uh, that league final performance the amount of saves he made is really I suppose uh, cemented his position in the in, in the team um, it was, and it showed really I suppose the, sorry was he always a goalkeeper as a kid now the whole way through um, like, I think he played I remember he was one of the top scorers in the league for Knockmore. In his early, maybe, 20s, he would have played outfield for Knockmore. He was a free-taker, full forward. But I think he would have played soccer in goal. His father would have been a goalkeeper. He was on the Knockmore team that got to a, a club All-Ireland. So, you know, he, he definitely had goalkeeping in him. Um, I suppose some people thought when he, he came... I think he had to be really, not forced, but he was nearly asked to come back for playing goal for Knockmore a couple of years ago by Ray Dempsey. And... Um, 
he he would they were down and won a couple of uh, county titles. So he hadn't been playing in in, in that more consistently up to maybe you know three seasons ago, three four seasons ago when was when he when he got uh, consistently playing. But it, you know he's really bought into it. Even physically, like he's uh, he's got he's fit, he's strong, um, he's kicking. He's a lovely little strike of a ball. Uh, you know, a couple of steps. Uh, didn't go over for him the last day, but there's no problem with distance. I mean, he, that's another another weapon for Mayo. But um, and some interesting stuff as well. When I was looking, like I know there's the thing from the opposition kick out is coming up on the 45. But even as the opposition is coming up the pitch, he's kind of playing as a sweeper in in line with the top forward and the opposition. So as they look up that crossfield ball, he's often cutting that out. There was one good example. I think it was Graham, Graham Sullivan was coming up the terrace side, and he looked up and. It was like um, David Clifford on the 21 and inside him was uh, Cullum Reap. So he's cutting off that crossfield ball and the ball went down the wing and uh, Mayo turned it over and went up. So there's something there's something happening there. I think uh, Gary Matthews, who was involved with Dublin a number of years ago, he's come in as goalkeeping coach um, this season. So he's um, he's probably has an influence on that. And uh, in fairness to him, everything he's been asked to do, uh, he, he's, he's doing top class. And... Uh, an important save like that is only going to build his confidence even more. Uh, I think, in fairness to Kevin as well, in my own time, there was a lot of swapping and changing. I suppose he gave everybody a look in the league, but he you could see from early on that he liked the look of Fulham, I suppose, mm. maybe his, his club championship form. And that, again, I suppose, would only build confidence. And... Uh, He's been rewarded with that, so you know deserves a bit of credit. We touched this morning, David, on the introduction of this new trial uh, in higher education football of the the kickout. Um, so the kickout must go beyond forty five meters before the defending team or the goalkeeper's team can can touch the ball. I guess they just want more contests and, and midfield battles uh, under the high ball. What do you make of this ro- ro- new rule from a, from a goalkeeping perspective? I guess. Uh, might make it easier as a goalkeeper. <laughs> well, yeah, just launch <laughs> it. pressure in the short ones. Launch it and hope for the best. It is. It is at times more enjoyable. But I'm. I suppose if you do that, sure. Next thing, the teams will be setting up and giving you the ball on your own forty-five, and the Lord will be back already at the at the opposite forty-five. But um, you could see when the game when the ball was kicked long at times in the last game. You know, a break either way, and it's that set defence is not there. You know, it, it it was a bit more enjoyable to watch, but. Um, I don't know. Did they try that a number of years ago as well? When I was playing myself years ago in FBD. Um, it's uh, it'll be worth a try, I suppose. But uh, I suppose it, so many changes. I di- I didn't think the game was bad the last year. It was interesting to see what the teams were doing with kick up kickouts. Um, you know, both teams were pressing for period after half time. Curry sat back. Did it really make much of a difference to the game? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I think I think it brings a bit of bit of bit of enjoyment to it, a bit of tactical, you know, mystery to it as well, the way teams are going after teams' kickouts. But it, it, it is enjoyable to see the ball be kicked down the middle now and again. And, uh, and you could see that from both teams that they were, they were willing to do that. So, uh, but I think that's coming naturally in the last couple of seasons. Teams are more willing to, yeah. to kick it out. You've seen Tyrone a number of years ago, they were, that was where some of their best scores from, you know, kicking that, kicking that ball on. Getting well, they won all Ireland doing it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. So I think, I think it is coming. I don't think we need to force it too much. But um, it'll be interesting, I suppose, to see how it goes. And uh, but I just be fearful that the way the team set up, if they wanted to give it to you on the twenty-one, I've no doubt they'll let you win it on your own forty-five, and they'll, they'll drop back even further. And I don't know, that's not going to be a great, a great spectacle, you know. No, you got got to be careful what you wish for, David. Good stuff. Thanks a million for joining us. Okay, man. Good to see. You.
It's Dave Clark there uh, giving us his thoughts on the weekend's football. If you want to get in touch with us this morning, it is uh, 29 minutes past 8, 087 9180 is our WhatsApp number, or you can leave a comment at Off the Ball AM and OTBAM. He's live every morning with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Will is with us. Time for the uh, power rankings. Some of these critics, these pundits. I absolutely adore them, lads. I have unbelievable time from, but they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable. I'd like to play the hard man when, when they're on it. It's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team. All you're looking for is a bit of civility and a bit of decency, but they just dismiss you like, like you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion. Larry Burr, how are you? How are you on, lads? Are you well? Yeah, what's the crack? Thought coming oh, up well, awfully. Look. I don't Is it though? I mean, it obviously two massive finals coming up, but they have to be won now. This says that's what Leo O'Connor was saying after the under twenties won the Leinster final last week against Wexford, and they've got the John McDonough Cup final against Carlo, where I think they'll play a very different team to the one that they lined out in the last round of the group stages, and that's a chance to go back up to the Leinster Championship for Offaly for the first time since 2018, and then they've got a chance to complete the set. They've never won the under twenty one slash under twenty grade. They've won the minor and the All Ireland senior in the past but they've got that opportunity with a team who are probably well ahead of schedule at this stage Jared. this is 15 of the minor team from last year who are wow. involved in the panel <laughs> who've still got two more years after this year at under 20 levels so um, definitely there's a feeling that they've done extremely well they would have been expected maybe to contest uh, in Leinster but to come from tier 2 in the Leinster Championship at the start to win Leinster last week and then get to an All-Ireland final is remarkable. And I think the ticket sales are already going really well for the four counties ahead of what's now going to be a double header at Semple Stadium, the minor and the under-20 final on the Sunday at the Bank Holiday, which should be a great day for hurling as well. Yeah, that, that is great. Um, so, like, obviously, <laughs> obviously the county board chairman is such a messianic figure that he's getting a, a lot of praise. But um, there was obviously work going on before he arrived, and he's kind of really helped to empower everybody who's involved in underage hurling and football so while Dyden gets a good bit of the credit there was obviously something happening you know because they started winning straight away when he got there and obviously some work had been done before he got there so what else is happening Will? Yeah, I mean, look, to give Michael Dignan credit as well, because people will say, look, obviously the previous regime had to have the building blocks in place before he came in, and now he's uh, reaping all of that work at this stage. He was heavily involved on the fundraising committee for the Faithful Fields, which has been seen as a real cornerstone on this. There's now a a training centre which has allowed standards to be improved, and also for players, just talking to them, to have certainty about it, because up until now, uh, many of the teams were having to travel even outside the county for training sessions during the season. Now they've got a base that's as good as any county team has around the country in the faithful fields. And then I think you add the feel-good factor on top of it as well, aside from the fact that there were some very good players coming through. And the previous regime had appointed some of the managers that were in place at the start of this successful period in both football and hurling. Uh, but you have to take into account the kind of feel-good factor of things like the Shane Lowry sponsorship, the Glenisk sponsorship, um, all those kind of bits and pieces and the high standards that the, have been driven along the way. Even to the point that last week, Leo O'Connor, the under-20 manager, was making the point that the county board and Michael Dignan had arranged for a Garda escort from Port Leash to Carlow to ensure that they were there in time for the warm-up and that there was no possibility that they were going to be stuck in a bus in traffic trying to get to the match. It's those kind of little details and it's not just Michael Dignan but it's the current administration that are there um, that have put those things in place that have actually helped Offaly to climb back up the ladder a little bit. I would say particularly when it comes to hurling though you have to be 
fair in saying that they probably were below their level a little bit when they went to the Christie Ring originally to have won that to try and now get out in the Joe McDonough they won Division 2A of the league twice but didn't stay up in Division 1 the year that they were up there last in the football they did get to Division 2 but were relegated back down to Division 3 I think the key is now if they're to get some of those achievements of the last three seasons say to get up in the top two flights in the football or to get back into Division 1 which they will be next year in the league the trick now is to actually stay there and not become a yo-yo team so uh, plenty of progress but probably still plenty more to do as well can't help but get a little bit excited about the style of play of this under 20 team though um, they play really really nice hurling very progressive hurling and look everyone's hyping Adam Screeny at this stage and the kid at what just turned 18 years of age seems to have no problem about the pressure that's put around him as well um, a lot of people were marvelling at the scores that he hit down at Dr Cullen Park against Wexford last week he has the, the skills to pay the bills Jar. Yeah, don't be having the kids though too early in GA. Yep. It's a bit trickier than it is in, <laughs> in soccer. Um, one last thing about the, the senior team. Um, am I right in saying that they had to beat Kildare in the league final to get the promotion? Like, their two seasons have diverged so spectacularly that, like, it's such a tenuous thing, you know? Like, here you are looking up, Kildare looking down, and we can see this in the power rankings. But um, that turned out to be an absolutely massive sliding doors moment this season. I agree. I mean, I think 10 or 12 minutes into the game, Kildare looked really impressive in that league final in Amore Park. And you're thinking this is the possibility that Kildare are going to go to Division 1 hurling for next season. And then Offaly kind of just slowly but surely wrestled control during the game. And I think uh, one of the key players in that match was Keelan Kiley, who has come back. He's recovered from a concussion after the Kerry game. And I believe he's going to be available to play in the Joe McDonough Cup final on Saturday evening, which is good for Offaly. I think Owen Cal is also going to be past fit to play. So their two most important players will be around this time. And they've really been the cornerstone of the success that the senior team have had this year in the league. Uh, Owen Cal scored and Keelan Kiley just kind of driving things from a bit further back down the field. So that win against Kildare certainly seems to have taken the air out of their season entirely. Kildare had such a disappointing campaign in the Joe McDonough. To be relegated back to the Christie ring is a huge disappointment. To go from, as you say, a couple of months ago, genuinely looking at going up to the top table of hurling in the league to now dropping down to the third flight is so, so disappointing for Kildare. OK, let's get into the power rankings. Uh, the... Uh, last page, Mead 18, Kildare 17, Down 16, Kerry 15, Leash 14, Down 1, Offaly 13, Down 1. Why are they Down 1? What's, is there, uh, you, I, think you have to, I think you have to respect Carlo's form. Now, I know Carlo were playing against an Offaly team which was heavily weakened in the last round. Carlo scored 31 points on average per game in the Joe McDonough so far geez. this year. They drew against Kerry and against Leash. They've beaten Offaly and then they put big scorelines up on everyone else. So, uh, Carlo were coming into this final on Saturday afternoon in really good form. And I think they probably should be considered the narrow favourites based on the form they've shown in the last four or five weeks. All right, you've got um, Carlo ahead of Offaly. This is there's nothing. You're not Yara in a way. Anything here? Are you, no, no, I, I don't. Know? I don't think there's any Yara there. I, I'd be the first one to say you can't read a huge amount into the game where Carlo were comfortable winners, but Offaly had I think only four of the starters from okay. the week before against Kerry. So you you have to take that into account, but you also have to respect Carlo's form. We're going to just go through this, then we'll come back to it. Antrim are eleven, Westmeath are ten, Wexford are nine, Dublin are eight. Waterford are seven. So Wexford, despite the fact they're beaten by Westmeath, are still ahead of them. Ah, yeah, but I think Westmead getting a jump in the table respects what they did in the second half of that game at the weekend. I was working it and I just couldn't believe. Halftime, you're just thinking 16 points. It was 17 points just before halftime. This is dead. At this stage, Wexford are already probably putting one eye in. Maybe that was part of it, about trying to uh, ambush Kilkenny next week and still qualify for the All-Ireland Series. And then Westmead win that second half by four goals and 13 points to five points, which is just unbelievable, really. And 
like Niall Mitchell, I believe what this is, he's just come back from knee surgery, so he's far from fit. Now, normally he would start in the half-forward line, but also Westmead without two of their best players in Angus Clark and also Killian Doyle, their captain, their all-star nominee from last year. He's not available, so they went very simple tactics for the last 10 or 15 minutes. Niall Mitchell, bring him on, stick him in around the square, and everyone, I think, probably saw the Sunday game, saw what he could do. They got long ball into him, they decided to go remarkably direct, and he somehow pulled the ball into the ice. That'll be the big disappointment for Wexford. It wasn't like they were beaten by two stunning goals towards the end of the game. They were two goals that probably should have been defended. But it puts Westmead in a very good position for a third successive year in the Liam McCarthy. And as we know earlier this year, despite some of the hammerings they took in Division 1A, they still managed to put a performance in against Leash to stay in Division 1 of the Hurling League. So this is sustained for Westmead. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of counties, maybe even his native county Wexford, who'll be looking at Joe Fortune at this stage and the job he's done with Westmead. Because to manufacture staying up with the injuries that they've had this year would be a remarkable achievement I would say it's definitely above even winning the Joe McDonough a couple of years ago Was there any hope before the match Will within Westmeath do you think that a result like this was close for Westmeath or was it, was it obviously the hope was gone at half time from their minds but um, pre-game was there any hope in Westmeath well, I, th- I think the feeling from talking to some of the players was they drew with Wexford last year in Mullingar. So there was that feeling that if they were going to uh, give a bloody nose to one of the top teams in Leinster, it probably wasn't going to be against Galway or Kilkenny. But still, it was a huge ask uh, to go to Wexford Park. Westmeath hadn't beaten Wexford in the championship since 1940. Like, I would put last Sunday down as the best result that Westmeath have ever had at senior hurling. And you add in the fact it's the biggest championship comeback of all time, adds that little bit of a cherry on top for the it's comeback too. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like you kind of thought when Conor McDonald put in the two goals, you're thinking, Wexford are going to put up a huge scoreline yeah. here and they had raced to two goals and 13 points within the game I didn't see it our commentary team when I was going back to them at half time were almost groaning thinking oh this could be a 20 point defeat with the way things have gone but they rallied hugely in that second half and it makes the relegation situation going into this weekend particularly interesting obviously there's been a lot of commentary about what would happen if Wexford were to go to the John McDonough Wexford will still stay up if they draw because they would finish ahead of Antrim on head to head if that was to happen but if Wexford were to be beaten by Kilkenny it's very, very possible that Antrim beat Westmead in Mullingar. If that happens, Wexford are going into the Joe McDonough for next year, yeah. which I don't think anyone who watched them in an All-Ireland semi-final lads against Tipperary in 2019 would have thought that four years later Wexford would be battling on the last day just to stay at All-Ireland level. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, um, there's a piece in the Indo today... Uh, I, uh, I don't have it in front of me. But um, they're just making the point that this shouldn't be the case that, like you can't have Wexford dropping down they've had an injury crisis and really it's not like that surely this is not the whole point of this well are you saying then that relegation should be put off like what about teams who've been relegated in the last few years like Lee Shoffley Westmead Carlo Antrim Kerry who've Martin, Martin Brownie says it's ridiculous um, because ridiculous I, I, why though because, because it's, of Wexford's history I think specifically it's, it's an injury crisis this isn't that the, the whole the game's gone in Wexford and you know they're not doing an awfully. That's European. That's Super League stuff. Keeping keeping Wexford in just because they're just because they're Wexford. Yeah, but uh, we we on this very slot many times we're talking circumstances. We've, well, we've spoken lads about the fact that there has to be a pathway for teams to try and close the gap with the top. 
So if we get to a point where there's protectionism, which there already is in the Munster Championship where there's no relegation, if we get to a point where Leinster doesn't have relegation just because Wexford have fallen into trouble in one season, does that not rip away the entire integrity of the competition? Well, it certainly there needs to be a plan made somehow to uh, fix this. Um, it does feel like there's lip service paid to promoting hurling in the counties outside the top tier anyway. But look, we have five minutes left and we haven't even got the first page here. I know, but hurling is promoted ridiculously strongly in Wexford. If it is a case of just one bad season and we take the injuries they've had and right down the spine of their team, they have had a lot of injuries, Wexford will surely go to the Joe McDonough next season and will come straight back up. Yeah. What if, like, next season is the last season that we get to see all their great players play one great season and, like, they don't even get the opportunity to compete? Then they have to rebuild. They were in a Leinster under-20 final only last week. So if it means that new players have to come in to replace that old blood, if it means they have to have a change of management, so be it. Cry me a river, says Larry Burr. Cry me a river. An awfully shaped river all the way down. I've watched this happen, lads. So, you know. (laughs) Die the Slaney. Listen, uh, page one, right? Yeah. Uh, So Waterford haven't moved. I think Waterford are actually below Dublin at this stage, given that like Dublin are going to be still in the All-Ireland series, more than likely. I, did, I did consider that and in fairness to Dublin this has been a good first campaign under me all as well to be yeah. assured going into the last weekend that they're in the All-Ireland series at the very least they can have a shot at Galway this weekend and if they beat Galway they could go to a Leinster final so I you think might this be the been... highest person on Waterford in the country at the moment mm, are you just trying to yeah. balance out scale I don't know about that. Like, there's even a few people who are trying to claim on our live stream in the hurling pot at the weekend, you know. And this seems to be the idea. Maybe Davy's got a plan for Tipperary this weekend. Maybe Waterford of a kick, even though they've nothing to play for. But how low it might you just be? Can't Waterford are lower than just below Dublin? Like, the, yeah, Dublin, I, I think fine. I think eighth would be would be fair. We did yeah. consider because we kind of consulted on this within the group as to where we were going to put them. We did consider putting them to eighth. I think once Dublin go through to the All Ireland series, next power rankings is a good chance. Of is this is this the consensus rankings from the hurling pod? Absolutely not. There was no consensus to be found because uh, Scahill again fumed about the fact that Galway are sitting in fifth, despite the fact they've gone up uh, just after beating Antrim in the last round, who they would have been expected to beat. And Murphy was making an argument for Kilkenny still being in second. So, okay. so Limerick are one. There was consulting a little bit. Limerick are one, Clare are two, Kilkenny are three, Tip are four, Galway are five, and Cork are six. Cork are down two. So you think Cork are going out mm. this weekend? I do. I can't see Cork beating Limerick at the weekend. It's unfortunate because Cork have been really entertaining in the championship so far, and this is a good Cork team. But this is the cutthroat nature of the Munster Championship, where at least one good team was going to miss out in a place in the All-Ireland Series. And I think Limerick are going through in third, and both Carlo and Offaly won't want to draw them in a preliminary quarterfinal. Limerick will remember that in 2018, lads, they came through from this position, third in Munster, won the All-Ireland Championship and they could potentially do that again um, despite the fact that obviously they haven't performed to the standard that maybe we would have expected at the start of the championship I still think Limerick will have enough for Cork this weekend and that's harsh on Cork who've drawn against a very good Tipperary team were within a puck of a ball against Clare at the weekend but importantly I think Clare were actually should have won by a bigger margin than just that long Dermot Ryan point I thought Clare were very much in control in the second and third quarters of that game they'd be disappointed with some of the goals they conceded against Cork I think unfortunately for Cork who I bet a good fancy for going into championship to qualify they're going out this weekend right, Claire have gone up one as you said uh, Will from third to second but are, are they unlucky not to be top of the pile at the moment I know Limerick of course everyone still expects to, to go on and maybe lift Liam McCarthy but I mean on form on very recent form Claire could be number one yeah, maybe a little bit. I think uh, first and second are as close as they've been since the Munster final last year. Clare's record in the Munster Championship round robin is intimidating. They've played 16 games and won 11 of them. Um, they're ahead of even Limerick over the course of the four round robins. The next step for Clare 
is to build on that and win a piece of silverware, whether that be the Munster Championship in a few weeks' time. They're qualified for the final. They've got the last weekend off to put their feet up, have a look at the opposition around them. Looks like there's a strong chance that Tipperary will qualify for the final and Liam Cahill is going to be suspended, not just from the sideline for that Munster final, but from preparing the Tipperary team for the four weeks to come. So we'll see what impact that has. I don't know how that's pleased. I'm not sure when Dan Shanahan got a similar ban for Leash a few weeks ago that was pleased that he couldn't be at trainings and so on but if Liam Cal doesn't win his appeal against that suspension it means that Tipperary will be without their manager for a possible Munster final Clare came so close to winning the Munster Championship final last year they would love to get that silverware go directly on a path to an All-Ireland semi-final and potentially avoid Tipperary uh, further on within the Championship as well I think Kilkenny in third it's just the fact that they're motoring along again they kept Dublin at arm's length at the weekend they're pretty much through to a Leinster final and they've got the chance and Paul Murphy was keen to point this out to bury Wexford at the weekend and he thinks that's enough motivation for Kilkenny to go for the win wow that is wow well Wexford have won a couple of games against them recently recently they've won about two in a hundred years it feels like and that is like saying the quiet bit out loud wow oh yeah but I had to press him on it on the live show at the weekend it was will Kilkenny have the motivation to beat Wexford even if Kilkenny know they're pretty much into a Leinster final it would take a huge mathematical change in scoring for them not to qualify and he said this is a chance to put Wexford down okay <laughs> sorry one last thing for you uh, yeah. Kilkenny's path to the All-Ireland now is more than likely going to feature Limerick in a semi-final if they get over Galway in the Leinster final is that correct? Yeah, it's a strong possibility. It takes away that certainty that you would have had in the last few years where Limerick were winning Munster championships. If you knew you won Leinster, you go the other side the draw. Limerick aren't an issue until you get to an All-Ireland final. Uh, this time around, though, because Limerick will go into the preliminary quarterfinals, they can go back into your stream again. So for Kilkenny, the benefit of winning the Leinster championship will be to avoid Clare or Tipperary. But I think winning your provincial still has the big advantage going directly to a semi-final. I think we saw the freshness for both Kilkenny and Limerick was important in the semis last Last year, Clare definitely looked like the tank had been emptied in their run to an All-Ireland semi-final. So I think even if it means that Limerick are a potential opponent, if Limerick come through the longer path, you'd still prefer to be straight into a semi-final, I think. Is it guaranteed that the losers of the... No, it's not guaranteed. Nothing's basically guaranteed except that the Leinster will play uh, the third-place team in Munster. The beaten Leinster... Am I right about that? Am I mixing that up? No, so the the third team in Munster and the third team in Leinster will be drawn against one of the two Joe McDonough winners in a preliminary quarterfinal. I'm not sure exactly how the quarterfinals shape up after that, but we have to wait to see the draw to see which side they're going to go. Okay. All right. Will, good stuff. Thanks a million. Enjoyed it. Thanks, lads. More from Will, of course, on the Hurling Pod, and you can get that wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, and obviously those uh, live Sunday evening streams are going great guns. Make sure you tune into that. Uh, right. OTBIM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shape or your money back Neon Night Edition is available now it's 8.47 John Duggan is here John good morning to you Jarrett and Shane how are we both doing? all good how are you keeping John? what would you like to talk about? there's a lot to talk about isn't there? yes where'd you like to start? you you pick Um, you haven't been on since the Leinster game have you? no you were on on Saturday itself you were at it I was there yeah anchoring (laughs) Leinster kind of turned into Claremont Oh, remember when Claremont were going through all those close <laughs> matches? Jerry's heart just broke. And too long game and the Leinster semi final and they could just and they never had won one. Um See, the weird thing is that like a load of these players have multiples, you know? Well, not a load of them, but uh, they a load of them were in Bilbao and and won that day and that was a tight game where yes, you know, against against the Moneybags French team and they they got over the line. Obviously there was um 
significant change in playing staff since but they had the discussion on the show John, was it Monday Night Rugby where they asked are Leinster underrated or overrated well for all the dominance they've had one European Cup in over a decade is a poor return yeah You'd have to very say, poor you'd considering have to their say. squad I don't want to say very poor but once again I, I know he's had a couple of bad World Cups but it does once again always point Schmidt in a better light you know to win back-to-back uh, European Cups as he did now he was once again uh, inheriting the Cheka team yeah. and the generational talents like yeah, Brian O'Driscoll yeah. yeah exactly and, and Sexton and Sexton if you think um, O'Driscoll and Sexton in the team at the weekend I think they get over the line well Sexton oh, you know. Sexton Ryan Furlong none of them were on the pitch at the end of the game um but I just don't know with the second half, just Leinster seemed to lose a bit of control and composure. And you could just feel that they were out in their feet. And to me, the losing of the game was the fact that they were only nine points up at half time. They should have been 25 points up. It certainly felt like ominous when Larochelle were coming back into the game. Um, but anyway, we're about to do more rugby with Derek McNamara. Okay. So is there any of the football you want to talk about? Or? Uh, well, Clare obviously in the Munster final is great from anybody who, who likes Clare. Uh, it's 25 years since Clare won a Munster final. And if it's Tipperary, it's said to be down in Porky Cueve. Uh, that seems to be the feeling. And I think, as Will said, what Clare made the mistake in last year is that they were they were out of out of gas by the time they got to the semi final. Um, so we'll wait and see what happens. But hurling feels very open to me at the moment. I really think that four or five teams, any one of one of those, could win a could win a an All Ireland. Um, apart from the football. Look, uh, Evan Ferguson is the toast of the town and uh, he's got six goals in 17 Premier League games. So still to play 90 minutes in a Premier League game and he could face Manchester City this evening. They're doing a great job of managing him. They, they are. Really, uh, really. It's really important, I think, that Ferguson and De Zerbe stays and Ferguson just... Because you're going to have all the BS now over the next three months relentlessly every single day on the back pages of the Red Tops and it's going to be infuriating and annoying... <coughs> Lincoln Ferguson with 50 million. Well, Mourinho is a fan, apparently. Roma. Want him. Um, this is, I, I, Mourinho's not going to be at Roma. He's going to be the PSG manager. Yeah, so does yeah, he go yeah. to PSG and replace Mbappe? Yeah. 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 So, um, and also great for the cyclists. Eddie Dunbar now fifth in general classification the Giro d'Italia. Ben Healy's king of the mountains. So, something we can't ignore either. Well, And their age profile. Yes. Like, Healy's only 22. Dunbar 26. It's amazing. Jeez. So it is, it is definitely a feel-good story of so many stories this week. I still think Leinster is a story, Rogers' story. You're going to get to that now. Uh, so, um, Brian just got said last night, Paul O'Connell slightly ahead of O'Gara in terms of the pecking order for the Ireland job. Ooh. I can understand Brian's thinking, um, but if you were to compare what O'Gara has done to what Paul has done, like it's hard to compare, but I think Roland O'Gara could be managing the Cork Hurlers, the Irish soccer team, uh, he could be managing anything because he's he's the got, people man. He has no, but he's got the he's got the X factor, and to win two, as you said, I think earlier on in the week, Jer, to win two Champions Cups with a with a club that doesn't really have that much of a history in the game, uh, La Rochelle to go to Dublin to play that the the juggernaut that is Leinster <sighs> and they are a juggernaut at home, and to win it, uh, and then to be what I love about Ronan O'Gara is complete lack of defensiveness. The openness there, mm. uh, and he is—he is a one-off. And if you have a one-off that anybody'd want, he has to be in the mix to be the next Ireland coach. It's true, I and think. also we—we we can't. It's great fun conversation, right? 
but Andy Farrell as well has done nothing wrong. Oh no, I think this is like post Farrell when I ran yeah, Farrell. Yeah. So and, and that's yeah. after Farrell wins the World Cup, Raj can take over. I think we we are in a much better place in terms of our coaching after the weekend. We're in a bit of a more of a worrying place when a term comes to our team. Oh yeah, for the World Cup because uh, well, this was not a good uh, day for Ireland. I don't think on Saturday expectations have been checked somewhat. Yes, John. Good right, stuff. Lads. More from John, of course, on Saturday afternoon on Off the Ball on News Talk uh, OTBAM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Derek McNamara of React Rugby is with us to reflect on uh, the Champions Cup final defeat. Derek, you've crunched the numbers. I have. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't go I'm quite. Lost. It didn't go quite <laughs> yeah. the way uh, the preview suggested it would. No, it didn't snow. Um, and we'll get into kind of like the more nitty gritty of it. I think a couple of things that I said last week just around, you know, injuries would have a massive impact on the game. They did. You know, Ireland were were well up before the the major injury happened, which we'll get into. Um, but look, when, when you boil it down to it, you, you <coughs> Freudian slip there with Ireland and Leinster. We'll come back to that. Yeah, Leinster were well up Same before. Thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm still on an Ireland high. Yeah. Um, I think, but um, yeah, look when when you when you boil it down, okay. When when we look at it from a analytical perspective, from a performance perspective, you know, in, in rugby, we've kind of like got two types of sports or two two types of rugby in Ireland. We've got our international, where you've got maybe you know, 10 to 12 meaningful games a year where these teams, you know, are trying to hit peak level for every single game. And I think we may have put our heads a little bit like this, you know, against even like Italy, you know, the, the coaching staff and the, the team are, themselves are trying to go out and play a peak performance every single game. Even if they're playing against Italy, they're, they're trying to change their team specifically to try and improve the game, game on game, week on week. But then when we got something like um, professional rugby where... It's more of a trying to peak for a certain type of or period of the actual year. Then I think that's slightly different in that you're trying to use as many players as you can to get into the playoffs. But once you get into those playoffs, once you get into those you know, postseason, you treat it exactly the same as you would for an international level, where you play your best team, you try and improve, you try and take small incremental gains using the best players that you have, and you learn from those games, even if they went out and played against. Munster and lost and got injuries even if they got an injury against James Ryan in, at that Munster game they would have learned from it and they would have improved as a result Can I just point out that I think there's a flaw in that logic which goes back to the point where you said that the James Ryan injury is the is the crucial moment from a Lancer perspective Yeah, like that doesn't tally with it would have been okay if he'd got injured against Munster Let's see we'll, we'll go into it now in a minute I've, we've got some graphs to show the imp- impact of that injury during the game had he not played the entire week, then they would have the, the the game plan would have changed significantly, and the people who are responsible for the different things, whether it's defensive line calls, whether it's line out calls, whether it's all these different things, they would have been talked about, organised, and actually improved. Well, like they're such a well coached team that they know what to do whenever uh, the replacement. Uh, hooker is off to the point where you know we saw Josh van der Fleer thrown in in the Six Nations mm. but actually he'd done it before for Leinster so it wasn't a shock he did it at the weekend as well exactly that's yeah. my point is yeah. that this is a team who has prepared for the eventuality that James Ryan might go off and get injured because he gets injured sometimes so, of course yeah of like course. They, the point about like oh, during the week they would have prepared for that eventuality they did prepare for that I've no doubt that they prepared yeah. it's just that um, that uh, you know the pressure of the final or whatever. Well, like, so I think you it, can't replace James Ryan, it turns out. turns out, yeah, correct. But 
if you well, you could replace James Ryan had you prepared for it, and you had you actually put in place a. But like you, you can't. You, we couldn't. They couldn't actually change that. They. The, that, uh, anyway, so, we'll get into it a little well, no, bit. No, more to go back to the like, point, because uh, yeah. like, uh, the team that played against Munster, yeah. the back row that ended up playing the vast majority of the game was Max Deegan, Josh van der Fleer, World Player of the Year, and Jack Conan. Like, the team was strong enough. Ronan Kelleher started mm-hmm. at, uh, at two, Jimmy O'Brien started at fullback, Kenshaw played the full game, Charlie Natai basically mm-hmm. played the full game. Like, Harry Byrne is supposed to be good enough, but played a bad game against Munster. I don't think that. I think that it's um, risk-reward. The reward was players were fresh, the vast majority of the team were fresh, and that they had basically no injury worries heading into the final, with the exception of Sexton, so which by them, also proved... So, so then putting out a kind of mismatch of team against Munster, right? The, the problem with that, and the main significant issue with that is, is that it's, it's an overall problem for the club and the team. So the players that aren't first-team players that lost all of a sudden have no way of redeeming themselves in the following week. But that's, and, the, and the players that that's did the end of the play season. Put, added more pressure onto the team because there was nothing else left. Well, uh, and the, more pressure... How can they be more pressure? Losing, like, that like, was the first time they'd lost. Champions Cup final, though, like at yeah. home. They, I, I do think that, they, that perhaps dealing with the pressure in the week and talking about the previous season's disappointment ended up being a psychological issue. But again, very hard to measure the analytics on that. Is there a perfect amount of strength and depth? Like, do Leinster have too much strength and depth, if you get me? Um, no, because the season's a very long season. You know, you've, mm-hmm. got, you've got an 18-season game, and then you've got a six-game season with, you know, uh, our uh, club cup competition with the possibility of set, uh, nine games. So the, the actual having the amount of depth that you need to be able to get to the final or semi-final of both of those organisations is what their strength is. Mm. But the problem is, is that if you're trying to reward those players, even when it gets to the key part of the season, it, it it's about performance, it's about grit, it's about being absolutely ruthless in what you do. And, you know, you could see the Rodge getting that out of his team, out of his players. You know, stuff that doesn't even matter, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like going to, the, going to the stadium. Of course you're going to get fans flipping off the team. You know, it's it's... That's the nature of the sport. It's a, it's a, it's a barbarian sport that is entertaining, and what we go to see is yeah. And it's but they and use like, it. They use it brilliantly. Yeah, and 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 you know that that is probably and like what we're talking about here, quintessentially is coaching, okay. And the other thing that we kind of looked at as well is from an analytical perspective is we look at certain things. Um, in the game that we can kind of distinguish whether or not a, a, a team has given the right. Feed, feedback at half time so in the second half there was quite a few HIAs or at least possible head traumas there was quite a lot of missed tackles the, and there was obviously the two yellow cards all three of those things together would suggest that there was much more of a go out there and put the sword to them lads when in reality it was probably best to be like okay well we're nine points ahead here let's focus let's bring it all together and let's push on but because of these different things it would suggest that the team talk at half time probably wasn't the right way to go ahead there's a chance that the players just didn't enact the team talk um, that was intended potentially potentially and look we're talking about fine margins we're talking about the final of the dining well, cup as well, well so. it, that's the thing like um, you know if if Crowley misses the kick the previous week or if Frawley 
makes the kick mm. or if Harry Byrne takes the kick then mm. they manage the team perfectly they manage the resource perfectly you yeah, know, but um, they didn't and this is the second time they've done it and when you look at the difference between what O'Gara says and the, the amount of pressure that he takes off the team by putting himself out in front like, yeah we would have. he would have been probably the butt of quite a lot of jokes had they not gone on had Leinster gone on to win it but because he's able to actually take all that pressure off the team and he's able to make the focus on himself but be be quite coherent and be quite um, poignant on what he's saying. He's able to bring the players and get the most, like absolute physical most, because the players, you know, the the data would suggest that Leinster have better players. But anyway, we, we can go into a little let's bit more. The, let's yeah, get yeah. The information, yeah. So, like, also, like, there's this this um, review of the the final that it was probably the best final that has been. <laughs> but when when I when you watch it back in slow motion, like I do, I think it probably would suggest like it was great showman or show and it was great ending but from a performance perspective the the actual level of rugby wasn't that great you know the passing wasn't great the breakdowns the actual overall it's quite a lot of mistakes from both sides I would suggest you you get at a final yeah exactly that's pressure that's the whole point pressure pressure. that's like um, that is uh, yeah how do you measure the pressure because like it's the occasion is obviously you know, if, yeah. the, if these two sides were playing for nothing in a preseason friendly, a lot of those mistakes don't happen. I know, I know, but it, kicks it was, don't get sliced. But you uh, would have. Um, what it would suggest is is that one side was better than the other. Like I think Leinster probably played better overall, but when we when we look at the data and anyway, we go into the, the so, so to try and identify specifically what went wrong, we 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 look at the game from start to finish and we cut it into kind of two sections: first half and second half, and then we grade every player's interaction based on the accuracy or the quality or the um, you know positioning or the technique of a player's performance whether that's the rook whether it's a pass whether it's tackle line out lift whatever it is and then what we can do is we can then split those the first half and second half into three sections so and um, the graph that we have here kind of shows the, the the quality of the performance in the first half and the second half and when, what we see here is is that which team is this? Sorry, so this is Lancer in the final. Okay, so basically, what we can see in for people at home that are listening, uh, basically we have a, a line, two lines. The first line showing the first half, and the second line showing the se- first, second half. Um, and when we go down to the second second slide here, and uh, we That's can just, see, spe- yeah, okay, go on. We yeah. can see specifically where James Ryan uh, came off injured. So. Um, Leinster were playing very very well and then there's a significant drop off in the quality of the performance the line is really high on the graph and yeah. then James Ryan goes off and then the line collapses and then if we go to the next slide we can see the same player's performance so we basically took the, the starting 15 from I think it was like 8 or 9 games the last 8 or 9 games that all these players have been involved in and then we do a comparison and we can see the blue line which is the, the Leinster players prior to the final and then we can see the impact of James Ryan as he went off, um, and basically what it shows is is that in three or four of the sections uh, of the six, Leinster played significantly worse than what they what they would have done if they were playing with James Ryan. And what does you know, what what does that mean, or what what is the actual like what what are the effects of that? And that's James Ryan being the leader at the lineout. It's James Ryan being the, the main voice in defence. It's James Ryan organising players once they're getting up off the ground. The impact that he had was, you know, really, really, really important. Um, Work rate, as you say, that's mm. that's as you say, that's involvement per player. 
Yeah, so that's that's every player's activity. So we, we can look at uh, work rate from different aspects. We can look at it as a plain, simple grade quality, or we can see it as a work rate. So we can say, okay, well, one activity is equal to another. So a pass is equal to a tackle. And then we can split it into um, technical, physical, mental, and tactical mm. as well. So we can say, okay, well, if a player has a dominant tackle, we can give that player a score of a two. If he misses, we can give him a minus one. Okay. okay, so then we can then build where these players lie or what the actual performance output is of the team. And, you know, James, when James Ryan came, down, came off, everything went to pot. And, you know, there was other things that happened in the game that were specific to, not just specific to James Ryan, but the, the defensive shape changed quite a bit. The team became quite, quite more passive in the defensive line as well. And um, the kick chase was really 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 passive um, so sorry with the defensive line uh, being passive with uh, Ogara's or Larachelle's attacking shape they, they do quite a lot of around the corner you probably would have seen you probably don't see it on the TV but you see it live and what that comes from is that comes from uh, touch rugby which is massive in New Zealand where you the players try to overload one side of the ball if the ball is in midfield and as a result causing turn or uh, overlaps um, do we do a bit of that with Ireland? We do. We yeah, do. The blind yeah, side, yeah so we do. Yeah, we definitely. Didn't notice any of it. Um. But it's more. Um, it's just working harder off the ball. The, the, the attacking players need to work, and it's basically three guys go from left to right. Rook is in the middle of the the the, the pitch, and the first guy gets it, straightens. Uh, then pass it on, pass it on. If you're way too passive on that, then basically you're going to get a, a defensive turn or overlap on you. Um, and then the second thing that was kind of significant as well was that the kick chase was very passive as well. So when we were stuck in our own half in the second half... Yeah, it was basically down to Hugo Keaton. Boot the ball down... Um, Bryce Dulan or Jimmy O'Brien would be the only ones chasing. Yeah, So, but that what happened was Dulan was able to catch the ball, run 20 metres... Then kick it and then put pressure under the under the catcher. Yeah, and as a result, stop dead. You can't get out of your twenty-two. It just re- repeats itself. So, I, like there there must be some. I'd love to see the 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 GPS data for this mm. because I don't think it, because Lara Shell plays so narrow. Is it not fatigue from making a gazillion tackles though? But there wasn't that because Indian tackles. Uh, Did we not make two hundred and eighty-eight tackles? Or is there eighty tackles? Or something? Uh, I, uh, I can't tell you right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't okay. have that data here. Um, we definitely win way like more we, tackles than they had sixty-one percent of the p- possessions. So they had La Rochelle at sixty-one percent. They had a hundred breakdowns, uh, and we had six. Or Leinster, I shouldn't say weeks. Anyway, uh, La, uh, Leinster had 60, 63 breakdowns, and La Rochelle contested sixty-two of those breakdowns. 60%. Is that more than you expected? No, it's right on point where they were during the season. So they, they didn't change their game plan. They didn't put Leinster on any more pressure than they did. Um, and then Leinster competed at 50%, just under 50% of, of the La Rochelle breakdowns. So um, the other things that were kind of very very strange was just uncontested lineouts. So I think Leinster, so the 15 lineouts that La Rochelle had, Leinster only contested two of them uh, at the end of the game. You know, and They got a penalty on one of them? Um, can we know they got a penalty off uh, a mall, which was very unusual. So, not that I want to pick on the, or go about the referee, because look, they, they, I heard, uh, listened to the forty-two there yesterday, just about 
um, talking about the referee and how disgusting it is going after the referee during and after the game. And I completely agree. I completely 100% agree. But there needs to be more done by the officiating. There just needs to be more. Like there was a couple of very, very unusual calls. Um, I think that the, the, one of the bigger ones was around the catch of Jimmy O'Brien um, in the whatever what was it, the 64th minute. I know uh, Jimmy O'Brien, and then yes, and then there, there was a mall against La Rochelle, which was that on the 64th minute where the the mall was moving forward and. The defensive or Leinster player was bound onto it, but the referee called a, a penalty against La Rochelle for uh, offside. Yeah, there was like three or four of these that you know ha- these things happen all the time in the game. For the referee to call it at that point was very unusual. The only thing you'd say, about Piper at the weekend, was that it seemed to balance out. Like James Tracy seemed yeah, fairly okay yeah. with the referee. No, I thought he had a great game, especially at the breakdown. You know, there could have been a couple of more penalties in the game, um, and you know the turnover. The, the kind of there was kind of two major incidents that I saw on the game, um, and they were at 66 minutes, Leinster losing their. Um, their control or getting a little bit uh, too passive when there was a scrum um, and they didn't go for route one in the scrum and so they just put the ball in and uh, uh, Alato was, was turned the ball spilled out the side and got a turnover and the other significant one was um, Ring Rose in 76 minutes just before the Alatoa red card he uh, comes onto the ball too quickly and as a result he should have passed he had Three, two, two guys. I think three guys outside him, and that would have been a man on man against um, the, the La Rochelle defenders. It would have been a perfect, perfect man on man situation. But those two instances, and it, you know, there's there's literally tens of thousands of things that happen in the game that we measure. But had either of those two things changed, or had just a little bit more concentration, or a little bit more. Uh, as a team to find decision making then I think the, 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 the actual results probably would have been a little bit different um, How did Harry Byrne do? Sorry not Harry Byrne Ross Byrne Ross Byrne um, Not great so we have one last uh, graph graph representation which is so this basically when we take all the grades from all the players um, we then aggregate them from front row second row back row half back centre and back three and what you'll see for the people at home, the blue line represents all the players in the seven or eight games that we've analysed before, and the yellow line re- indicates the, the the players that started for the final. Um, and what you'll see is is the front row and the second row. Second row had a brilliant game. Like James Ryan was having probably the best game of his career. He was absolute man possessed. And the back row were are identical, but the problems lie and the issues are around the half-back centre and back three. They just did not perform, unfortunately. Um, and that's that's down to the the defensive play of La Rochelle as well. You know, like you got to... Yeah, like you got to take into account the fact that La Rochelle, amazing game. back-to-back European champions yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant game plan. Going to be spoken about in the future mm. as all-time greats. Mm. But see, they, so Leinster play a very, very flat <clears throat> game plan. And when you get a defensive strategy that blitzes that defensive game plan and the player isn't able to make the decision, then it stops everything outside them from actually happening, the thing that they happen. 
and this is what happened this is what happened throughout the entire game basically at the start of the half obviously the tries were scored they came off nine and they came off a line out <laughs> I think there's only one that came off the back line so there needs to be the ability more within the sport to change the actual game plan that you implemented and that's where we come in that's where React Rugby is trying to improve and help and, and enhance the, the ability of the coaches to make better decisions throughout the game and get more informed decision making onto the players so that the coaches can have a bigger impact on the game um, is this a concern for Ireland that uh, so Adrian was saying he was watching the New Zealand coverage yeah. Mills Mullaheen and John Kerwin were like well this is a good template for everybody now watching Ireland I'm just like it's basically Ireland so yeah it was the last chance that they, any team had to to figure it out and they, they were figured out but had we played our first team against Munster? I don't think that matters. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't think that matters. It does. I guarantee it how, does. But if, say, say five of them get injured, right? Mm-hmm. How are you then suddenly going, oh, great, we have a bunch of players who haven't played for the first team all season playing in this game. It's like... Uh, it's when they, were, when they were running in their first three tries, were you like, well, this team looks undercooked? No, but uh, again, you... We, you Okay, the, the worst things, as I was going to Lou when I heard uh, James Ryan come off, and I heard it, I was like, oh, no. I thought, like, there, it could have, we couldn't have got a worse injury. And it was such a, like, it wasn't even a, it was an offload from a tackle, and he fell on the ground, and somebody ran past him. It wasn't Not malicious. Just, yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad. <laughs> it was just bad timing, bad situation. Um, yeah. But I, I, I you know, what are the chances of Ogara going to New Zealand as a consultant or one of these things? Uh, the World Cup for Ireland. Yeah, no, against against Ireland. Oh, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, then we'll be grand. We'll be grander. Well, we should we should just pay him to be our consultant. Yeah. Um, but what if what if Ross Byrne makes the kicks? Like, do you know what I mean? Then all of this is moot, and it's a great gritty yeah, performance. And they've my auntie had balls from my uncle. Yeah, but uh, like. True, but then that's the same point about picking a different team last week. I know, but we don't know. Because, but, well, but if, exactly, but we but do if you, know if that you, if you made the you kicks, they would have won by a point. You look at any sport, okay? You look at any sport. You look at soccer. You look at NFL. You look at volleyball, tiddlywinks. You play your best players, no matter what. It's, you don't. It's, it's you more don't. important. The, the Mayo had five weeks off and beat Kerry, the All-Ireland champions, who played their best players the three previous weeks against mm. inferior opposition, and it didn't matter. But it's not... It, it's It's... That's okay if it's pr- if it's mid season. That's okay if you've already made the playoffs. But if it's if it's worth financial significant financial impact on your on your team, if it's worth a a trophy at the two games, if you have two games left and you've maximum three, you play your best players, um, no matter what. The, the players they played were good enough to beat Munster, but no, then they weren't. They, they, didn't. they well, lost. They were they were good enough to, to beat Munster, but they just didn't execute. They played <laughs> badly, and they like yeah. they they couldn't get the restart right. Yeah. That's not coaching. That's like brain fart from two players brain farting at the very end. Oh, you're ahead of me. I shouldn't take this off. Oh, I shouldn't be ahead of you. No, you but see, that is. But then again, that is. So, so Harry and Ross have different kickoff techniques. So that 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 They've is all played all season. Like no, they haven't. Uh, Ryan Baird has played with Harry Byrne loads all season. There's no reason for him yeah. to run past it. There's no, no absolutely. Reason. But but the, the problem with that is is that if you're chasing the game and you're playing with a bunch of players that you haven't played with all season, but that team have played loads together. No, they haven't. That that fifteen that started probably never played together. But loads of the combinations had. Yeah, 
Yeah, like so, with the exception of the first team, which plays had in you all the games. Played your Irish team, the team that had played in the, in the Six Nations together, had played against Toulouse the week for. Like it's good, it's good, it's good debate. Yeah, I I disagree with you, but that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, we're still friends. <laughs> Derek, good stuff. More React Rugby. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, uh, Derek at React Rugby, I think. Derek Mack at React, but uh, LinkedIn is the place to find. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah. Uh, 9.15 OTBIM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shaver your money back Neon Audition is available now some highlights on the OTB podcast network today Brian O'Driscoll from last night's show we've got the hurling pod with Will and the lads and Tony Cascarino will play some of that in a few minutes time make sure you follow us across our social channels and subscribe to the OTB podcast network uh, after the ad break Shawnee McGuire you're listening to OTB AM now, uh, I am delighted to say our next guest is with us, uh, Shawnee McGuire. Good morning to you. How are you? How are you, lads? All good. How are you? What's the crack with you? Uh, not on board. I'm just back up in Preston. We got the manager gave us a, a day off today. So we've had a good couple of days training Monday, Tuesday, and then off today, and then prepare ourselves tomorrow and Friday for the game on Saturday. And uh, I guess the atmosphere ahead of a massive playoff like this is both excitement and a little bit of nervousness? Yeah, I think it, it probably hasn't sunk in with the boys yet. Um, because the last probably couple of months, probably no one expected Coventry to sneak the way into the playoffs. I think we went on a mad run. I think we lost one game in 20. Um we saw ourselves kind of just edge ourselves in the playoffs like the last two, three weeks of the season, which was uh, which was brilliant. Um, the home support, the way sports been unreal since since I've been here, and um, long may that continue into Saturday. Have you had many Wembley experiences over the course of your career, Shawnee? Or just one when when obviously it was in the Irish squad against England and um, John COVID. We have a strange one that I was on the bench. I think. I think we lost 3-0. Um, I was on the bench for that game. But other than that, um, I don't even think I've been to a Wembley game to to watch a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be my probably first proper one in, in, involved in, in something about Wembley. Richest game in football as well. Like For a team like Coventry, you've had a little bit of top flight pedigree, I guess, across the years. There must be some serious excitement in the city as well. Oh, it's... It's brilliant. I think somebody said 2001 was the last time they were in the top flight of English football and five years ago um, they were in a League 2 playoff final. I was speaking to my buddy Pierre Sweeney. He was he actually played in that final for uh, for Exeter against Coventry and to see you know the rise in you know, the football club from five years ago playing in League 2 to potentially playing in, in the Premier League is, is fairy tale stuff. What, where did the mad run come from? When you joined, I think they were 13th in the table. Is that about right? Yeah, I was speaking to Luke the other day about this. He said, I think we were 15th. Right. Um, so I think we've lost two in, two in 23, 24 games, which is remarkable <laughs> considering it's the, the championship, you know, the most competitive league probably, probably in Europe. You know, it's relentless, like game after game and, you know, to only lose two games and, in that short amount of time, especially five months, it's a lot of credit to you know the manager, the, the boys, and it's unbelievable the, the run that we've we've actually gone on. Uh, what do you put it down to? Like, is everybody just confident and feeling themselves and understanding each other? Was it like 
Any idea? <laughs> I know if you if you can answer this question really well, you're going to be an absolute gazillionaire as a manager down the line. But what? I don't know. The togetherness in, within the squad is probably the best I've seen. Um, to be honest, and you know, in football, the the more you win games, the more you go on a run, the more confidence you get, and you get like the lock, the likes of like Victor Jokeles scoring every week. You know, Gustavo Hamer. I'd say probably the two best players in in the league and the last well since I joined commentary they've they've been unbelievable when you get them two boys firing um, we can beat anyone out there but it's not sports not just about them two I think we've a really good uh, really good squad got some really really good players and the manager has got us playing in a way that is just fluid and I think we go into the last probably last couple of months thinking we can win pretty much any game, um, home or away, because we got different setup for being at home, different setup for being away. But obviously, it's going to be different kettle of fish now at Wembley on on Saturday. We've drew against Luton twice this year, so it'll be be a really tight game. You mentioned the manager there, Mark Robbins. I think uh, all Manchester United fans will remember him for for scoring the goal in 1990 against I think it was Forest in the FA Cup that. That saved Alex Ferguson's career at the time as manager. Uh, went on to play for for Norwich and Leicester, among other clubs. Was a striker as well, Shawnee Mark Robbins. So, is that something that that you've been able to utilise in terms of words of advice and and little nuggets of of information from someone like him as manager? Yeah, definitely. Um, he does take his strikers away two or three times a week to work on work on finishing, work on our movement and stuff like that. And if, I do feel I feel a lot sharper since I've joined the, the football club in January. Um, obviously, you said that he's played at the highest level. He's He's been there and done that. And I suppose to get different different tips and different kind of things from him has, has definitely helped me. Um, I know I've only played maybe about seven games, um, been involved in seven games this season, but I've been really enjoying playing, playing under him and training with him every day. Um, and as you say, like... He's brought the club from League Two to the Premier League in the space of five years. That's that's unbelievable. I, I, I don't think you'll you'll see that every day um, over here. Um, so so fair play to him. And yeah, as I said, that it's, it is it is working well. And and hopefully we've we've won more big game on Saturday. And hopefully he can you know create history and, and do it for the first time bringing some a club from League Two to the to the Premier League and. In that short amount of time, you said there you're back up in Preston. You, you obviously spent five and a half um, good years at Preston. Are you are you still living in Preston or? Yeah, so I come back to Preston like maybe once every couple of weeks. Um, pretty much on our days off, I just come back up, try to get stuff organised. I just renting a place in Birmingham at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, so I still got my house in Preston. So anytime I I do get a day off, I, I come up the road. I just had a few <laughs> get a few things organised um, just to get my shoes and stuff for our suits on, on Saturday stuff like that so it's can't be wearing trainers and suits can you I was thinking about that I got into the captain but um, obviously it's the captain's calls and he wanted black shoes so can't disagree on yeah uh, famously you wear the wrong stuff at Wembley on a big day and it doesn't end well if the team loses uh, it'll be a meme or you'll be some sort of video <laughs> and that'll be you all over the internet for about a week um, so you're contractual situation are you out at the end of the season with Coventry and, and a free agent or what's the story with that so I've had a few conversations with the manager um, 
I suppose the last couple of months and I'm just seeing how things are, see what, you know, the scenario is come after Saturday, um, whether if that's staying in the country or commentary or, or going elsewhere, I'll have to just, you know, take time to, to think and see what my options are. Yeah. Been my first time being our contractor or free agent for the first time maybe since I, I left West Ham when I was younger when I went to Dundalk that time. So um I really enjoyed my time at commentary. So if there's the option there to stay in commentary, um I'll just have to think about it and and see see where the options are. Is are you relaxed about that whole situation or is it actually a bit of a minor stress not fully knowing exactly what next season's gonna be like and whether or not you need to buy a gaff down there or rent something long term because these are kind of the human decisions that you um, that we as, as fans frequently forget like actually you have a lot of logistical bullshit to get through depending on where you're going to be yeah that's the worst thing you know not knowing where the unknown of as you said there like renting the house or bringing your stuff from your house where I am in Preston to a different part of the country um, I wouldn't say I'm stressed about it I think I'm pretty relaxed Um I know, as I said, that's probably the first time um, in my career where I find myself not having like cement contract for the following season. But I'm, I'm relaxed about it, and whatever will be, will be, and I'll see what happens in the summer. It's funny we had an Irish cricketer on the on the show yesterday, Shawnee, and he was talking about that, like getting into his late twenties and being more comfortable with things like that. Funny enough, he went, he was out of contract as a, as a cricketer as well uh, at one point for the first time in his career and had to deal with it and and I guess use different things. And meditation was one of those. And I, I remember reading before from yourself that you decided to delete Twitter off your phone a couple of years ago, and and social media was obviously one of those things where you could be having a brilliant season, a couple of bad games, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's saying you're shit or whatever online mm. so uh, has that been a, a help to you kind of relaxing the social media use yeah definitely mentally um, as I said I haven't used Twitter maybe over a couple of years um, probably the only social media I probably use is, is Instagram um, and even at that I rarely go on that um, but you know good. Th- some some things come good from social media like so Twitter and stuff like that but also there's the, the bad things but you know, when I was at Preston, um, I'd always tell the young lads um, that a lot of them would go in on their phone, look up their name and stuff like that. And I was like, try, try stay away from that because for now it might be good when you have a good game, but if you do when you have a bad game, it'll only just get in your head and it might not affect you the first the first time or the second time, but maybe later down the line it would because it definitely did affect me at the time. Um, you know, I had a habit of like going onto Twitter searching my name or whatever and um, I said to myself I said to my wife was like oh I'm just not doing that anymore um, and definitely been in a better place since then it just gives that clear clear mind and that, that stress of like looking on your phone because if you start reading things over and over again um, you'll start to believe it even if it's not true um, yeah. for example like if you, you hear someone say shit 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 even if you're you're confident in yourself, you know you're not a bad player, you know you're a good player, but if you read it over and over again, you start to believe it, and at that time, it, it, it did affect me, but um, first thing I did was delete the app, and I haven't looked back since. Did you get advice on that? Like, was somebody able to say, there's a, there's a relatively straightforward step you can take that's going to massively help you, and that's just deleting it, or did you have to get to that point yourself? 
Yeah, I had, to, I had to take matters on my own hand, to be fair. Um, like, there wasn't anyone at Preston or whatever that would say, look, you're better off being off social media and stuff like that. I just had to take take it into my own my own, my own hand and and I haven't looked back. Um, to be fair, it probably would have helped me if somebody did come to me closer at the time because it was going on for about a year and a half. So, um, nice. Jeez, I didn't but, know that. Like, because yeah. if you think about it, right, there's there's always some clown on Twitter who wants to scream abuse at whoever. And if you're searching for that person, it's like if you were in a stadium going over to the people screaming abuse at you on purpose and listening to what they had to say. And like when you put it like that, you'd never do it. But there's there's just an addiction in the social media apps that we all suffer from where it's like, I'm going to keep flicking and keep scrolling and keep scrolling. But I guess when they're actually talking about you and your livelihood, it's very hard to train your brain to say, this doesn't matter, this is fine, that's just mm. a, that's just some clown. Oh yeah, like I was having, I remember some games I was, I played brilliant and I'd score, but I'd always find that one, one person or one tweet is, would say something and I'd be like, fuck, hell, it must have been shite then, you know what I mean? But, um, but then even in the bad games, I still do it, I don't know why, I just come home on a Saturday and I, I still do it, but thank God, <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Um, I wish I could go back in time and just tell myself not to do it, but it is what it is. Um, and thank God, like I don't do it anymore. And you know, the only way is forward. Yeah, and look, I, I think it's really interesting. You know, whatever whatever career you have at when you finish playing, maybe it is involved in the game. But it's good advice to be able to say, "I've been through this with younger players." I don't know. Have you? Like, obviously, you've loads of time left. You know, you you could play nowadays. You can play to thirty eight, thirty nine if you want to. And you always seem like somebody who looks after yourself so have you thought about what the career is after the playing stops yeah um, I'm going to start my coaching badges next summer um, with a couple of boys um, I started doing a course with Santander College um, a couple of months ago in strength and conditioning so that last about four and a half years um, but on that no um, obviously you said there like some boys there till the 38, 39 I want to prolong my career as much as I can um, because I love I love doing what I'm doing. Like you know, it's you know sometimes you got to pinch yourself when that, you're, you were that four or five year old kids um, wanted to be a footballer. You know, being involved in a game like like the weekend. You know, being involved with a team potentially on the brink of the Premier League. Um, so it, it, it is it is you know there's there's stuff for dreams and, and as I said, there's hundreds of thousands of kids wanting to be a footballer and. and you know, thankfully, I was one of those, and I'm, you know, grateful, grateful for that. So, um, um, what I'm going to do when I'm when I'm done, I'm not sure about that. But I'll have I'll have things in in the background where um, I know I can fall back on when when football is on. The League of Ireland background has given you a a, <clears throat> a solid start in football as well, Shawnee. Like it's it, you you are definitely one of the the great success stories of the League of Ireland. I'm sure it's it's a league you still. You still keep readily in touch with? Yeah, definitely. Like we, every every Friday night, for you know every second week, we're on the way there. We certain Luke. We pick a game and we watch it. Um, he usually wants to watch Pat, so you want to watch Cork. So sometimes we have to flip a coin and and go with it. But <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's something that I've been you know looking looking through the you know the last six years. Um, it has changed quite a lot since. I played in there, you know, you know, the Derry, Shamrock Rovers um, are up there near the top, whereas, you know, Cork and Dundalk were up there for a couple of years when, when I left. So it's, 
it's definitely something that lives long in my heart. Um, whether I go back there and there and just come, or hopefully, you know, I didn't want to finish my coaching badges and look to go down that route. I'd love to uh, work back in, in the League of Ireland in some, some way or form. So coming home at some point is, is on the cards, is it, even just to live? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll probably move back to Cork, to be fair. Um, I love the town. I've only spent about a year and a half, but my wife's in Cork. Um, quite close, close with her family as well. So it's um, in a few years, yeah, definitely be looking back to looking back to go, go back to Cork some stage. I was in Cork yesterday, and funny enough, uh, was your name came up as like uh, all time Cork City legend. They they do love you too. The it's you're like John <laughs> Milan loving his county, uh, even though it's not yeah. your county. You do yeah. love, you do love Cork City. Born in Kilkenny, bled into Cork, wasn't it? <laughs> well, so. Well, your, your Wikipedia says you're born in Luton. Does that does that add a bit of intrigue to the to the weekend as well? Yeah, so I still have my lot of my aunties and uncles that live in Luton, and my my uncle actually is a season ticket holder for for Luton. Um, and he texted me there the other day. He's actually been he's in America for the game. He's absolutely good at it. But he was like, whatever happens, um, he'll be happy for me. Um, he's been you know following me since. Since my West Ham days, since I've, since I've been younger, so it's yeah, it brings a bit bit more of a an added taste to it. Um, you know, I was born in Luton. I moved to Ireland when I was a couple of months old, but I still have a lot of family there, um, a few friends. So it's it's a bit of a strange one. I'll have a lot of family in the away or sorry in the Luton end, and then obviously I'll, I'll have my own family in the Coventry end. So it's brings that added little bit of taste to to the fixture. Do you do you have open lines of communication with with Stephen Kenny at all, Sean? Is it eleven or twelve caps? Like, would you do you still harbour ambitions of of keeping adding to those caps? At that door, like you know, I, I know I haven't been playing as much the last year, but even when I was, you know, playing for Preston, when when Stephen took charge and scored goals, it still wasn't still wasn't getting picked. So it's one of those ones, you know. He's he's never been in contact with me since since the last time I've been been called up so it's don't know what what happened there or whatever but um watching game against France there a couple of months ago and they done really well so it's then you got two games now next month. Um two big games. Or is it one friendly and one Yes, Greece game up one, first, isn't it? Um Yeah. It, so it's a big it's a big game, you know, to uh for the boys so it's you're hoping to get get some points on the board and then you, because they did, did really well against France and very unlucky they should, should have at least come away with a point you know it's Greece and Gibraltar Greece and Gibraltar sorry yeah and the two, two, two qualifying games is, is that a, you would have worked Sean I think with, with Stephen wouldn't you at Dundalk so is that a is that a surprise that that he hasn't been in touch with you or that there haven't been lines of communication I guess yeah a little bit yeah so I suppose it'd be nice to to keep in touch in some shape or form whether that's the text whatever um, you know, it's not my probably not my responsibility to to get to get onto him. He, yeah, I suppose he could have sent me a text here or there, but it is what it is. Um, our communications were probably shut the last time I got called up. Um, I think my last game with Ferland was Bulgaria or Belarus at home. I think it was or or Finland away. Um. So yeah, since then we haven't been in contact. Um, so I haven't been playing as much maybe in the last year or so. So I, I never expected to, to get called up or whatever. Um, but as I said, when it was 
playing games and scoring goals are pressing. I, I always only on standby, and that's I think every time he made a squad, he only got called up for um, someone someone dropping out. So it is what it is. One last thing: the the um, period of time when you're out of the team at Preston, and then getting to a new manager in Mark Robbins and getting some game involvement. Did that give you your taste? Did you, had you fallen a little bit out of love with football at Preston when you weren't getting game time? Yeah, I suppose I spent a little bit too much like time at Preston. I was there for five and a half years. Maybe I should have left six months a year previous and I felt I needed a fresh start and you know a new change room, a new club, a new training ground. Um, and it's 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 gone you know, really well, obviously, like us being, being in the playoffs, you know, I've played seven games and stuff like that, but I really enjoyed my last five months. Um, I've learned a lot from Mark Robbins and definitely it's, because as you, we mentioned earlier, he he scored that goal, that famous goal, as you said, to, to keep Sir Alex in, in his job and he's, he's been there and done that as a player and, and as a manager and to be involved and be part of this team. Um, I'm grateful, grateful for the opportunity and um, I've been, you know, on the training pitch in, in the gaffer's the gaffer's office having many conversations. I'm more on the same wavelength. So, look, football's my game. Um, I could end up, you know, coming on Wembley Saturday and, and scoring a winner. And I keep saying that to myself, you know, man, manifesting that, that situation and thinking positive. So, um, anything can happen and hopefully, whether... If, um, it comes off somebody's back so he can go in the back and uh, I'm sure the whole commentary will have take the week off work and um, be on a party session but it's one where everyone's looking forward to and there's some some real boys around the place yeah or uh, come on and take the winning penalty Shawnee but whatever happens the weekend however it manifests best of luck thanks a million cheers man thank you it's uh, Shawnee McGuire giving us some thoughts there ahead of the weekend Coventry play Luton in the playoff final OTBAM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition is available now we've run way over on tomorrow's show Vinnie Perth in studio Andy Mittens you had to be there Jenny Claffey previews Roland Garros and plenty more besides right now Tony Cascarino on Teddy Sheringham Jack Charlton and more have a wonderful Wednesday OTBAM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now